Yo, what's up, party people? Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio has uh, Mr. David Lang. David is a free fly, angle flying guy. He's an organizer. He has wonderful, beautiful hair. I actually uh, know David only through a couple brief emails. We have done a little business back and forth, but we've not really got to meet in person. But everything I hear about this guy is uh, pretty good stuff. Nick knows him. Nick's dealt with him. Not tons, but a bit and has had really good things to say about him. And so have several other mutual friends. You know how I am. I really like these shows where I get a chance to get to know people, where I get to explore, and, and I really don't know them when they walk into the room. So this will be a, a really cold conversation. We don't know really uh, anything much about each other outside of maybe what uh, I've seen on Facebook. I look forward to hearing a little bit more about David, hearing his story. I do know he has been traveling all over the United States, uh, load organizing, and also getting coaching himself. That's one of the big things I like about a, a good flyer, and you know you have a top-level flyer when they're at one event one weekend organizing and coaching and the next weekend they're at another event receiving uh similar information just at the next level but uh till then tonight's gravity lab radio is brought to you by the rating center uh man you guys know the rating center the ratingscenter.com the ratings with an s the ratingscenter.com uh we are a full-time rating school we're based out of houston texas we have campuses in dallas and san marcos texas but houston is our home our flagship where we do most of our business and the winter is coming Guys and gals, those of you working in the sport, those of you uh, actually wanting to work in the sport, especially our northern friends, it's coming to a little bit of a close of a season. You're looking to get away for the winter. What else are you going to do? Head down to Texas, make a handful of skydives, get to know some good friends, meet my buddy Hank the Tank. He'll take you through a really good course. Chris uh, does a great job, Aaron. They're all phenomenal people. But really just come in and spend a few weeks with us. Enjoy your time on the uh, drop zone. Enjoy skydiving for the winter instead of sitting up in that uh, cold freezing wherever you happen to be. While you're at it, take a coach course, check out an AFF course or a tandem course. We do all three, all of the above. We also uh, run canopy courses and do all types of canopy coaching, and we're expanding our staff as we speak. We have seven examiners, four canopy coaches. We can basically do a little bit of whatever you want, uh, but we are growing and offering a little bit more. Pedro is a tandem examiner and coach examiner. Aaron, tandem examiner, both offering courses in Spanish. Right now, we're actually working with a, a new canopy coach. We'll be offering canopy courses in Mandarin, and we're also working on canopy courses in Spanish as well. So uh, it is a global market. People travel from all over the world to uh, skydive at Spaceland Houston. We're pretty stoked about that. So we want to make sure we have those uh, available to whoever and whatever they need. Check out the Ratings Center. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. Your rating is our priority. You uh, have heard it before. You know all about us. We really want to uh, pass that passion along. Ultimately, the skydiving or skydiving has, has defined my life, Hank's life, Chris's, all, all of us, everybody on the staff can tell their own testimony about how skydiving has impacted them and how much it's changed them and benefited their lives. And, and for every single one of us, it's about giving that quality of life change back. It's not just about the sport. It's not just about skydiving. It's about building better relationships, building better friends, and being better people through a process. So come hang out with us. Come check it out. If you don't like those ideas, bah, come hang out with us anyways. We'll probably have a lot of fun. TheRatingsCenter.com. Till then, look forward to a uh, little conversation with Mr. David Lang. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. 
You are listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Wavy shapes that didn't yeah, cooperate yeah. with each other or my face. <laughs> it's not great. Man, my awkward stage was super long, though. My hair kind of grows out for a while, and then it did. At least it did <laughs> when I started growing it out. You know, who knows how it is now. It's been a long time since I could say anything about hair. So yeah. <laughs> I, um, even before I was really balding, I started shaving my head super close, super short. Um, I picture my first jump, my hair was, I was 23, still had a full head of hair, and I still had it down to like a number three guard. So you've been prepping your whole life. Yeah, you know? it's it's lazy. When you say that's lazy, when you shave it down to nothing, you don't have to do anything for a week. My roommate just did that from yeah. hair about like this, and he, every day, yeah, how easy it is. How just shaved it, it off? Yeah. Completely? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right, we ready? All right. Let's rock. You guys. Hello, party people. We oh, are did it start alive. just like that. Man, that was fast. <laughs> She's probably been recording. She's been ahead of the curve this whole time. Maybe. Uh, Mr. David Ling, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, man, Elsa, you caught us off guard, didn't you? Did yeah, good job. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm still like not even started ruining this by eating the entire <laughs> time. Sorry. Oh, dude, <laughs> eat at it. Have at it. Uh, tonight's guest, guys and gals, is David Ling. David, I first really got to know your name because of Spaceland Clueston. I'm a member of a lot of the online community there. I've not got to be there, but because of Spaceland, I, I saw your name pop up at some camps here and there, and, and they probably popped up in other places. Previously, I just hadn't seen it, and then next thing I know, I start realizing I've seen this name once, and I see it more and more, and and now I've come to realize I see it all over the place. Um, I, you kind of, for me, came out of nowhere. Um, but I'm also not really big on the angle scene, so it's really easy sure. to blindside me. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, uh, first of all, I have been watching your career for, I think, maybe about a year now was our first introduction, just shy of. About that, yeah. And, uh, dude, super impressed. Love Thanks, what I'm man. seeing, man. Appreciate that. So, I love what I'm seeing. Appreciate um, that. when did you start skydiving? Uh, my first, my first skydive was a static line in 2013, September of 2013, so almost seven years. And where did you start at? A uh, little town of Weeping Water, Nebraska. It's like halfway between Omaha, Nebraska, and Lincoln, Nebraska. 182? 182 drops. And how many jumps there? Um, I think I did my first 150 or so there, and a lot of them were hopping pops or, you know, getting out with the guys who were my coaches and instructors because I was the only four people chunking RW out of the plane that day, you know? Man, I love hearing the small Midwest DZ 182 kid making it big and doing it well because so many of these young mid well you i know you don't like that last part yeah, no, but no. you're doing well for yourself you're enjoying the sport Super it's fun. treating you well right it's got good people in it. so many people are in your position in these small drop zones and and they don't think uh, they'll ever have that chance so many people like you exist and i think it's awesome man thanks man um where do you jump now um based out of tampa florida but this year Specifically, I've been actually traveling quite a bit more than I've been jumping at home, which has been a nice learning experience for sure. Home DZ is Z Hills? Z Hills. Okay. Yeah. And compare Z Hills to this place in Nebraska. Oh, man. Um, well, there's lots of good outs at both places, unless you're on the swamp side of Z Hills. <laughs> but uh, the place I came from, a little grass strip, kind of like a Y-shaped runway. And in the yoke, you had our trailer park and our double wide where we packed and stuff like that. But it was relatively small grass really hard to spot in the summer because everything was green it was cornfields and soybean fields everywhere around it um but it had a little uh 
tiny little uh, quarry set right there on the side of town. Z Hills is a massive one. I don't know if anybody you know listening has quarries, but they're <laughs> super nice to 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 use as landmarks. So it was kind of easy to spot that way. But really small, maybe good on accuracy, and I think. Static line, I'm a huge proponent of like IAD or static line. Sell me on static line because I I don't think I have any close friends who have learned that way. What really? did you like about it? I liked because, I, th- I mean, the most important part is canopy, not just preference-wise, mm-hmm. but I think safety-wise, obviously. Um, and it kind of just isolates that element, and you can really get, I think you could potentially, the awareness that you get in that isolation, I think, is huge. I, I'm an IED and static line, or was an IED and static line instructor, worked at a DZ, and we taught that way. Uh, we always tried to upsell AFF. It was just easier for us to do in a big turbine drop zone or mm-hmm. medium turbine drop zone. Uh, but, man, 100%, 100% agree with you. The awareness of canopy pilots it, who progress through static line in the beginning, that's all I'm learning is parachute and how to arch mm-hmm. for one second. Yeah. It, it was, it's unbelievable how much better pilots they were. So. Uh, a lot of people think static line is dead. Um, I don't, man. It, the 182 drop zone is no longer the backbone of the industry it once mm-hmm. was. Um, but it, it once was, but it's still a big part of it. There's still a lot of them. And the efficiency for a DZ, like I know DZOs who'd rather do AFF at their 182 places, but they just realize I can do that or I can get three students up at once and it, and those DZs are usually not thinking about making more money, but producing more skydivers. More students, yeah. Yeah, man. So it, it really does have a value still in, in my heart. Are there any drop zones doing a static line out of a plane bigger than a 182? Have you seen that? Um, we did them in Indiana. We did them out of the Otter and the Caravan. Really? Both. Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 206 is all the time, yeah. Yeah, 206. We had a 206 there for, that was our weekday airplane when we needed it. Um, uh, you know, military out of sky vans. But there are the occasional big DZs that have them, or medium DZs, but the only reason we had it is people wanted it, and it was usually like, oh, my dad was airborne, and I got to gotta go out of an airplane like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, really, this is way cooler. Nope. All right, man, let's throw you in a dope on a rope. Let's go. Yeah. So it worked out. Val is a IED instructor. Do you know the difference between IED and static line? Instructor assisted, I guess the uh, they're just holding on to the pilot chute? Uh, so to speak, instructor assisted deployment. So uh, you're actually throwing the pilot chute behind the student, letting it catch air, and letting it do its job appropriately. Um, people will try to uh, straight pin it. In other words, hold the pilot chute till the pin is extracted. PCAM. PCAM, basically. <laughs> and uh, there have been people, break, who, uh, instructors who have broken their arms doing that. Um, it is so not PCA recommended. PCAM meaning pilot chute assist, meaning yeah. they're hanging on to the pilot chute just for... They're getting I, pin tension. Yeah. Some people will hold it to line stretch, and you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, people can do it successfully, but I, I drank and drove a few times in my life. Didn't make it smart. So yeah, yeah. so it's uh, instructor-assisted deployment, big advantage. Uh, we at first had static line at my old DZ. Hey, I'm here for level two static line. Awesome. You need a static line rig. We don't have any rigged up. Unpack that, re-rig it, send it up. Hey, I'm here for a free fall. You, you had to switch rigs back and forth. So IED is the same progression of static line, but you just deploy instead of having a static line. Mm-hmm. Like one free fall rig, never change gear. Yeah. So uh, also tricky exits. Have you done any? I- are you an instructor? No, I have, n- I have not. Okay. The only ratings I've had, I was a tandem instructor for about 80 jumps on okay. Sigma systems. Yeah. We'll get back to that. <laughs> back. Uh, you learned static line, 150 jumps uh, at, at in Nebraska. What's the mm-hmm. name of the DZ? Uh, Lincoln Sport Parachute Club. Okay, I've heard of the yeah, place. It's an old school place. Yeah, it's, it's still around, isn't place. it? Mm-hmm. Who owns that place? Uh, it is club owned. We club own, owned. We own the land now and everything. Who runs it? 
Is there a name behind the it? People. Nobody. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, I know a few names in the, I, I jumped in the Midwest for a while. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the Midwest is a small community and you get to know each other over time or hear each other's names. So, um, what, where did you go from Nebraska? Did you go straight to Tampa? No, I, uh, I graduated in Nebraska with a mechanical engineering degree and went to go work in that industry. Uh, actually, the construction industry in Colorado, which is where I spent a good portion of my childhood and kind of always wanted to end up back there. Hang on. I'm going to interrupt. Go ahead. We're not getting audio. So I'm going to have you help Miss Elsa troubleshoot oh, that shoot. issue while you tell me about living in Colorado. Nice. You grew up there? Um, my dad was military. He's Air Force. Okay. So my first get, get a little closer to that microphone. Get a little friendly. Like there you go. Love there we go. Hey, that's awesome. That's what that's I want nice. to hear. Perfect. This is okay. <laughs> Dude, I don't know why. For me, it's a super instinctive thing to whisper terrible things into this microphone. Into it, it's hard not to. Oh, my God. You can either get scared or, you know, just whisper. Oh, to me, it's far more sexual than scary. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a scary whisper. We get that nice lip room going on. You know? So uh, Colorado Dad was in the Air Force, he said? Air Force, uh, Colorado Springs Station until I was like eight. And then we did super short stint in Ohio. And then moved to his last station, which was Omaha, Nebraska, uh-huh. which is where my mom's whole family is. So that's where he retired out of. Do you remember a lot of your childhood in Colorado? Yeah, it was awesome. What? Uh, it was awesome. W- were you guys in more of a rural area, or were you closer to a city? No, we were. Uh, we were on like the south. We were outside the Air Force bases, pretty much in Colorado Springs. So we kind of skirt around the bottom side of town and get to the mountains in like 10, 15 minutes. How bad do you miss those mountains, dude? So bad, so bad. You live in Florida. The Are flattest place I thought I would ever live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I I cannot believe when I look out of the airplane in Texas, even just driving down the road, I cannot believe how painfully boring it is. Yeah. And how much I did not appreciate them. I grew up in Salt Lake City. Oh, so yeah. So mountains okay. are right there. Dude, you got yeah. the whole panorama yeah. in Salt Lake. And yeah. I miss it so much. So nice, dude. But uh, did, you, did you do anything uh, outside as a kid? Did you do any sports? Um, I did basketball from a young age in Catholic school. So all we had was basketball, so that's what I played. Um, Mom, I had a twin brother, so I was beat the hell up way too much for me to be in football anyway. So we didn't do that until high school, but then I did high school uh, football, track, wrestling, the whole nine yards. Yeah, and then that was it for organized sports. But I get that fix for from this sport for sure. So h- how old were you when you stopped doing organized sports? 18. And w- what led to that? Uh, just didn't want to do it collegiately. You know, I heard the horror stories of loving the sport and then just going and having it kind of get into this not necessarily abusive situation, but more of a job than something you enjoyed. And in it was just in, in uh, collegiate football. Football. OK, yeah. so it wasn't wrestling. That was no, my next question. No, no. So you were worried that your passion for football was going to be stolen by just the, the collegiate level, the collegiate level. And I knew I wasn't destined. I didn't want to be a professional athlete. Would you play in football? NFL. You don't you don't strike me as a football player uh, like uh, we ran a. Three five, so I was like an outside backer, cornerback person, and then uh, we ran the Navy wing. I don't know if you know if you're familiar. I don't know what that, that means. It's like a fullback, and then the O line, and then you just have these two kind of wing backs that basically do like crossovers and like sweeps all the time. So you play both ways. Both ways. Okay. Yeah. A lot of small religious school Christian schools. I played uh, football in, in uh, Baptist school. Oh, right on. And yeah, you not everybody went both ways. I yeah. ran football, but a lot of people <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people go both ways in Catholic Especially school. Especially right. Catholic, yeah, in those Catholic schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I played high school uh, football in high school, and I never said I played it well. I played football in high school. Uh, so that same thing. Well, same. I have never played football, but we should start our own little uh, little team here. Yeah. You could be the football. There we go. <laughs> Dude, I, I bet I could get away. I'm small enough. <laughs> Get There's no way I can catch you. 
footwork. Yeah, if I had to catch you, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here. I'll get my car and maybe chase you down. Deal. I'm going to win. But you grew up a grappler, right? Not kind of. Yeah. Like, I used to wrestle with buddies for fun. I've got a little bit of, uh, like, formal jujitsu instruction. Very, cool. very little. My dad taught Shaolin Kempo. Okay. So he was he was into martial arts. Yeah, nice. And I took I took some classes from him, but uh, you know it was cool to learn some stuff from my dad. But as as far as effective martial arts, it's just you know it's just bad habits compared yeah, yeah. to what the most effective stuff is. Yeah, for sure. I went to a few um, you know jujitsu and, and muay thai classes after that, and uh, gosh, I can't even remember the Perdinalis Institute in Salt Lake City. This is where I went. This guy who was a, a pretty high level athlete and fighter. He just kept pointing out, like, you know what horse stance is? Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, it's a, a, a body position that makes no sense in martial arts because your hands are low by your hips, and this is where you're, like, doing punches from. So it leaves you totally exposed and vulnerable. And so he would just point it out. He's like, hey, yo, man, I know that you know that you're doing that, and I know that you're that you we both know you're not supposed to. <laughs> so I'm not going to call it every time, but I, you know not to do that. Stop so doing that. I'm going to get punched in the face. <laughs> I know it. But uh, what what led to, to wrestling for you? Uh, my twin brother was a wrestler, and uh, I just didn't want to take an off season. To who's, who's more handsome? Just real quick. Oh man, that's got to be a. I'm sure it's a personal decision, Casey. I'm gonna say it's you. <laughs> <laughs> we are fraternal, though. Luckily. All right. Yeah, luckily for for him, he doesn't look like me. How how similar do you two look? Uh, we got like the same bandwidth right here. We uh-huh. got like the same eyes and nose structure here. Yeah, for sure. But he's like. Five five. Built, oh, what a tiny little midget built, idiot! <laughs> built like a brick shit house. He's a he's a thick dude, yeah, strong dude. So did did he stay with wrestling? Uh, he did, he did, and he also pole vaulted and uh, ran long distance of all things instead of sprinting, even though he should have been a sprinter, for sure. That was his strong suit. Yeah, he's just an explosive dude. And is he doing any sports right now? Or are you you holding it down for the? No, nope, holding it down in the sports arena. Nice. Yeah, awesome. he's an architect slash graphic designer, kind of jack of all trades in that arena. What a grown up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> a lot of good time happened to you. I sorry I got a little bit lost with some of the conversation. I got to go back and ask. Uh, you went to Colorado as an Emmy. Yes. Um, wait, wait, wait. Emmy? Emmy what? Mechanical engineer. Oh, I'm so okay. sorry, dude. I'm in a hurry. You went to uh, Colorado as a mechanical engineer. Uh, you worked there for a company. Did you guys talk about for how long, what your next move was? I'm, I'm kind of... Yeah, it was a GC company. Okay. Uh, so general contracting. I knew I loved going to school for engineering and then I ended up saying, oh, well, I'll work in field work and I'd taken a bunch of construction classes by switching cross majors in college a couple times between some construction engineering majors as well. So I kind of just wedged myself into this cool company that had a lot of dudes that were into climbing and getting outdoors and stuff like that, like-minded individuals, and they worked on job sites, so it was not the mundane office work, but uh, ended up getting stuck in there for a while, and then the tunnel job kind of fell in my lap as I was going to transition into the military to either warrant officer or just officer school to go hopefully down like a pilot or aviation route in the, in the Air Force or Navy, whichever um, branch I ended up going That into. was a real subtle kind of like, yeah, military while I'm there. Yeah. Uh, did you guys <laughs> mention that earlier and I just missed that? Yeah, sorry. Okay, sorry, no, yeah. that's what yeah, I'm catching up. Nick and I were saying. Okay, I'm catching up. It's Dad is in the Air Force. Okay. Yeah. How long was he in the Air Force for? Uh, 23 years, I think. So you grew up military years. brat. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Dad, 28 years. It's yep. it's a different lifestyle. For sure. Where were you? Uh, where'd you grow up? Colorado for the first eight, super short stint in Ohio after that, and then nine until he retired. Um, and then I went through college in Nebraska for okay. the remainder of that. Yeah, man, it's a uh, 
not common that I hear somebody with that long of a military history and there's no overseas. There's no foreign. They got that out of the way before we popped out. Uh, yeah. My dad did the same, but mom's Japanese. He met her there. Oh, nice. So growing up, dad's like, hey, we got to go back. My wife's cool. from here. My kids are f- you know, from here to a point. So nice. he uh, got a station back there for four years. So That's awesome. Yeah, dude, it was a chance to meet my family, a chance to know who my heritage is. I would have never met my Japanese family if yeah. it wasn't for that. And to understand the hair at fifth through eighth grade. To, to cool. really grasp the culture. Yeah. We, I've done sake ceremonies every New Year's. My parents didn't like us drinking, so touch it to your lips. It's also his birthday. And pass it. New Year's Eve is my birthday. Thank you very much. No kidding. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Everybody parties on my birthday. Yeah, it's all for you, yeah. man. Uh, dude, it's about me. Yes, it's <laughs> all about me. My best friend, Eric, uh, growing up still to this day, I talk to him all the time. His birthday's January 1st, lives in Tampa. And uh, I always say everybody pukes on your birthday, brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> So yeah. he's exactly 364 <laughs> days older than me. And uh, that much balder. So I love you, Eric. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> he doesn't listen to the show. I no, I just it. like that you can make a bald joke to anybody. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you know, I mean, I have a cul-de-sac of a haircut. You've actually seen my hair grow out. Ironically, I live on a cul-de-sac, so it's kind of like a map of nice. my neighborhood. I live right about here. You'll never forget how to get home. Just in case uh, you get lost. Yeah, as long as I can see the top of my head, I'm safe. <laughs> so good luck with that, man. Um the tunnel job, how did you transition from mechanical engineer? So you were trying to decide military or tunnel. That was your... Yeah, military like or state patrol for the state of Colorado. I kind of just wanted to have a, kind of the long-term set in and just enjoy where I was living or go travel and see you know, as many places as possible. So I've kind of ended up to do a little bit of both of those things without the military. Wait, help me understand what appealed to you with the, about like the law enforcement route. In Colorado, yeah, I think the the appeal is to get to know that state more intimately, you know, as a profession. Because you, you just thought that was a job that would allow you to do that for sure, yeah. Because a lot of the guys want to work the corridor from Pueblo up to Denver, which is the I twenty five main corridor, right, right on the east side of the the foothills. But if you go up into the mountains, nobody wants to work them because they're boring shifts and you oh. deal with accidents and all kinds of stuff like that. But man, they have you know just like any of those other state jobs or fire department jobs, they've killer schedules if you want to get out and see the mountains or travel you know then when you describe the location because i was thinking state trooper the main corridor stuff like that no, i would want to live you want the stuff that nobody else wants then mm-hmm. i do i'm in i'm sold yeah. that makes sense you seem too yeah. friendly and laid back to want to pursue a police officer career of any sort yeah i'm glad i didn't yeah. i wouldn't have been, I, I couldn't have been the asshole for sure no there's friendly cops though right yeah, not, <laughs> not pushovers though. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that how you'd uh, define yourself? In, in ways, yeah. Hey, will you grab some out of the fridge? Sure, what you want? <laughs> <man>. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, I'm going to eat my salad now. Oh, I'm so, I haven't eaten today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were just going to eat while we were talking. Yeah, I'm going I'm to. No, I'm going to. That's what's going to happen next. Oh, man. So I was wondering, since you, your father was in the AV, or you were you know, going to or you're trying to pursue the, the aviation, is that maybe why you wanted to jump out of planes instead? Um, I, uh, I think it was sophomore year of college, I had started jumping and had done one of the Groupon hour flights thing for you know flying a little 150. Um, and those two kind of things happening at the same time definitely were, were kind of pushing me that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And my grandfather was a, a bomber na- navigator in World War II. So nice. aviation's been kind of in the family. Uncle's a heli- helicopter pilot for the Navy and cool. stuff like that. So, yeah. So yeah. just aviation in general. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not like, I'm not going to drive them. I'm going to jump out of them. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I got some looks for that one. For sure. Yeah. I, um, uh, you, you go, State trooper, military. Those I can see the sim- similarities. I can see the association. 
I can kind of see the same motivations. Tunnel instructor. I mean, you talk about derailing this journey. Um, so many people who get into our sport for a living really never lived the, the like, hey, go to college, do the American dream, do the blah, blah, blah. Um, a lot of people just went straight into, I, I jokingly call it the hippie lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and to a point, it's true, the gypsy nomadic hippie lifestyle. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I yeah, but know. the military gave me that, I think, you know? I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you oh, can sympathize. Do wandering blood, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to I wanna be nonstop on the road. It's, I want to be traveling. I can't afford to do it, but the reason I started uh, skydiving was to do what you're doing now. Um, at some point I got to travel some, but now I'm like, no, I'm going to sit still again. Um, maybe I'm too old for this stuff. (laughs) Um, what got you from those two career paths to suddenly tunnel? Like, were you flying in the tunnel a lot at that point? Were you a part-time instructor? I had flown 45 minutes in the tunnel back when I was at that 182 place. Total, you know, stereotypical came in without my own gear I have 45 minutes. I need to fly all today because I'm only in town for this one time and I want to sit fly. I'm doing it out of the Cessna. Yeah. Teach me how to sit fly, you know? And I had Nate Roth and Marlon Mahoney for my first instructors. And luckily they were super gracious and got me like a taste of what I was looking for. But then I never spent money on the tunnel again because I was in college and it was expensive. And, you know, I, I was a canopy junkie already at that point from $9 hop and pops at our club, you know? So... Um, it, it was interesting, but I just saw it as a hole to throw money into. And it's just something that never crossed my plate again until Mike Silva, when he heard that I was going to quit my job, he's like, Hey, they're building like they're, you know, building 12 tunnels, bad, bad decision in hindsight, but (laughs) 12 tunnels in one year. And they were just handing out jobs left and right. If you knew somebody in the company that was a good dude that could vouch for you, you pretty much got walked in. So Axel brought me in and was like, Mikey says you're good. You can, you can be here. And I've been stuck there for five years now. Yeah. Man, what a, uh, huge switch. Yeah. Uh, first, switch. first of all, you have been around for a while. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't really know a lot of your history. Uh, I'm my, my life is, excuse me. Woo. That was dinner. It tasted good, man. Uh, my life round is re- two. round three. Uh, my life has really evolved around, uh, safety and training. That's mainly what my focus is. Um, actually tonight there's a safety and training committee meeting for USPA on zoom that I was supposed to be attending. I'm like, sorry, I can't attend it. Um, I, I'm not on, I just, they let me sit there and make fun of them the whole nice. time. Nice. Uh, but fun jumping side of it. I'm still connected, but angles, I have been so lost the tunnel. I, I know how to fly in the tunnel. I've got some tunnel time. Um, I can do some, I will coach AFF instructors in training in the tunnel. I can do a lot of those drills. Uh, but after that, I just, part of it, man, it's expensive. Super expensive. I don't want to. That's why sp- I work there. I don't want to spend yeah, money on the exactly. tunnel at all because I will. If, if I want to do it, I want to do it, and there's just no sense in trying. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a lot of names. You've got a lot of good friends. I mean, that Marlon guy, he's so so. He's all right. Yeah. <laughs> he's not. Uh, he's not in the tunnel anymore. I'm sure you know that. Yep. Yeah. 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 Neither is Mikey. I, I did not know that. Yeah, Mike Silva's. I not saw that one on anymore. on Facebook. I was surprised by that one. Yep. Man, totally shocking. I'm glad Marlon's still in town. We see him every now and then at the DZ I'm with COVID. I haven't seen him much at all, but partially I haven't been out tons either. Um, the tunnel, when you start working there, how many skydives do you have? Man, I'd had maybe just over, just over or under 200 right around there. It was about a eight months, nine months after I moved to Colorado from Nebraska that I was done and done with the desk job and in the, in the wind tunnel. And you were jumping where at at that point? 
uh, a place called Out of the Blue, which is just east of Colorado Springs, originally in Canyon City, which I think is the most scenic drop zone in the United States. Mm. But that's just a biased opinion. <laughs> I believe there. Uh, I I haven't been there, but what I see and know of that area, I I think it man is arguable for sure. Like yeah. I, I love mountains. I want to go to Oregon. The only reason I won't pick Colorado is because I want the ocean with the mountains. Yeah. So I, Colorado is super high on my places of I want to be at. Um, I think out of the blue is a 182 joint, isn't it? I know of the name. They uh, they were originally a caravan place when I showed up in Canyon City. Uh-huh. And then when they moved east of the springs, they turned into, or they got a King Air. Okay. And then they were a King Air drop zone. And then after I had left, like just recently in the last year or two, something happened with either the plane or the ownership of the plane or the drop zone or the land on the airport, something happened and they now just rent the plane out and every once in a while we'll bring it in and fly it and stuff like that. So they're not really an established drop zone, at least to my understanding at this point, which is sad because they're an awesome group of people. They have that small turban, small Cessna type familial vibe and it's uh, it's a, an amazing place for sure. Man, I love that vibe. I, I love Spaceland. Spaceland is home for me, no doubt. I've been here for 15 years. Um there, there. It's really cool because there's so many different parts of the family. It's such a big family, but I miss that small. In Indiana, when I worked there, my first year full time there was their first year full time as a DZ. Mm-hmm. I was a videographer on the weekdays. We flew a two hundred six, and we had one or two tandem instructors come in on weekdays. Weekends, we used a caravan, a King Air, an Otter, whatever year it was. Um, and so you get the vibe, you know the the style place. And man, I lo- every bonfire every night. Lit by the same people. The same people ran and grabbed the beer for the crew. The same people said it, it was just the same way. And I love this big community. I love the epic stuff we do, but I do miss that little at-home country vibe. Yeah. It's, some, it's something I really enjoy. Um, when you got in the tunnel, what did you have any goals? Did you have any motivations besides just fly a lot? You seen that movie, Like Mike? Where the kid gets Michael Jordan's old shoes. I think that's how it goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be Netflix like Mikey. I just want to be like Mikey Silva. I saw him fly for the first time in the sky. I was like, holy cow, man. How'd you learn how to skydive like that? He's like, I don't jump that much really anymore. I'm just a tunnel instructor for like 13 years. So like my goal was just to get as, you know, as well-rounded and versatile as, as you know, in my perception at that time, Mike Silva was, which he's a, if you don't know him, he's a god. <laughs> Man, his flip twists are still like Dude, nobody gnarly. else's. I can't yeah. believe how he puts them together. It's yeah. insane. It's super awesome. And just the nicest, most humble person you'll ever meet, for sure. He's definitely one of those people who I was, you know, I had only met him once at a competition in Austin. And like, I'm no one, especially in the tunnel world. And he remembered my name the next time I saw him. Like one of those people that you meet that you're sure is like, dude, this dude is so into this world that he is going to have no idea who I am. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, super nice guy. Awesome, dude. Really kind. Did, uh, did he teach you any of those flip twists while you were uh, yeah, working Yeah, actually, with him? I luckily got shown a little bit before I moved on. I did FITP in Denver, was unable to stay in Colorado, so that's when I ended up in Kansas City, which is where it was for a short stint. But yeah, he dumped as much into us going to Kansas City, and luckily he threw a couple of us some flip twist tricks. So how much time did you have uh, before you left Colorado? You didn't, you didn't work for the, the, the Colorado Tunnel at all? Uh, basically we had FITP and then construction in Kansas city was backed up into the winter. So Mikey's like, well, if you guys aren't moving then for two hours every morning, the eight of you that just got signed off are going to fly with me Mm -hmm. and Nate. And they just did anything from more training to flying skills. So probably 20, 30 hours of training, like right before I got to go to 
Kansas City, which we were then the most tenured instructors at that tunnel. So you can imagine what chaos that was learning. Oh, you brand new guys with your two hours that you you guys were the yeah with one trainer. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I uh, did wonder how iFly was going to keep up with the uh, rapid growth without having a lot of veteran people to put in each tunnel. Yeah. Some places suffered. (laughs) And they still are. And they still are. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, so you went, you learned in the Denver Tunnel, which is the twelve foot octagon, mm-hmm. and then went to Kansas City. Yep, is that a twelve footer? It is a fort, brand almost brand new, fourteen foot, just like Woodland's design. Okay, the first floor flight, flight chamber. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how did, nice how, how did that uh, compare going from that twelve footer to the fourteen footer? Man, it was uh, it was interesting. It's it's long enough ago, and I haven't flown in those twelves in so long that uh, I guess it'd be hard to to tell you the details on it. Have you flown in one of those 12s they, since yes. you've been spoiled in the 14? Yeah. And how does that feel now? It feels like a flare pad, like a trampoline. Like it's just compressing you off of the net and there's just walls just, you know, super in and the door burble's massive. You know, we're definitely spoiled yep. in the 14ers. Hugely spoiled. So then, uh, how long did you work at this tunnel? At Kansas in City. Kansas was City? there like 10 months, I think. About 10 months. And then they were opening more tunnels in Florida. Yeah, and my buddy who is at Kansas City with me, same experience level so far, he's from Pensacola. And he's like, hey, they're building a 14-footer in Tampa. we got to go. So I got the uh, request in, and I got accepted by Daniel Lovett. And it was the best decision for both worlds. That's my homie, Daniel Lovett. Yeah. He's a good dude. I dude, he's an amazing sad dude. Sad that he's not uh, in the, the tunnel flying or skydiving world anymore. Yeah, he's being a dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, him and his wife, they're I'm having sure a, a sure great-looking little dad. family. I'm sure he's a great he's, dad. Uh, he owns a jiu-jitsu school now as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't Lake know the Nona. name of it. Lake Nona or Lake Nova, I think, in uh, Orlando, outside of Orlando. I'm sure he does a good job. Although, when I first asked him, I'm I, interested in jiu-jitsu, it's like, man, wh- how do I find a good jiu-jitsu school? He's like, the, the owner's got to be Brazilian. No question about it. And, man, he is not Brazilian, and he's owning that jiu-jitsu school, but I'm still going to go see him. <laughs> You should tell him that in person when you say that for sure. Yeah, yeah he's gonna beat me up. Him. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> You're a lot bigger <laughs> than me. He's gonna beat me up. <laughs> he he's a tough dude. He's but he's got he's got those ears. You can tell you don't mess I with that want guy. A tango. Nope, I not, not at all. Tango. I'm glad he's nice. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you do any uh, any wrestling anymore? Anything like that? No, no, I did enough with my twin brother growing up. Just <laughs> for sure. Just tunnel flying. Just tunnel flying. So how how long until I've always had this dream about being a tunnel instructor, only because I'm jealous of the amount of time you guys get to fly and all of the best flyers that I know worked for some period of time in the wind tunnel. So how, how long for you until you were, uh, feeling like you were like a good coach and that you're selling coaching and that you started to make a living on, on coaching instead of, uh, taking upset eight year olds. Yeah. Um, I would say honestly, really just in the last, maybe the nine months leading up to COVID, I felt pretty confident and comfortable and, consistently having coaching over hey when i go into work this is what i'm expecting to do kind of thing and so that was about four years for you yeah about four years i'm sure and i mean through that it's just a continuous process just like anything you're just immersed in it and i luckily got to see a lot of good coaches and good coaching through the different locations and places that i've been uh especially since coming to to tampa and you know it's the snowball effect of anything you put consistency into you know and before you know it just was kind of happening i still think that i have a lot to learn for sure as far to like as far as like how to orchestrate the whole curriculum because you usually don't have the students with pockets right you get them for just their head down progression or you get them while they're just going through AFF but some students or some coaches you'll get the opportunity to take someone from ground floor all the way up and I I feel like once I'm able to do that or have the opportunity to do that 
I think that that would be where I would want to see myself. Have you got to do that with many students? Kind of get, really. get them in early in their progression and take them to, to be an awesome flyer? Yeah, a lot of them just end up doing static, though, which is great. But It's not your thing? Uh, it's just it's just less enjoyable for me, personally. It's super awesome, and I'm, I'm blessed to be good at it just from working at the wind tunnel, but it's not something that I've paid really close attention to, you know? You ever do, like, a VFS team, anything Mm-mm. like that? Nothing? I've never competed in the tunnel or anything. Not at all? In any mm-hmm. discipline? Nope. Are you uh, against competing? Oh, no, n- no. No, no, not at all. I think it's a great learning opportunity. It's just I like to do it for fun. It's been fun so I, far. Dude, if <laughs> I, I hate the person that competing turns me into. Really? I'm not friendly. I'm not happy. It's cool if you win a thing. Like, yay, we, <laughs> hurrah. But it man, getting there, lose. I just do. Yeah, because, dude, it sucks to lose. And getting there, I'm so great at just emotionally destroying myself in the process. Oh, no. I don't like it. Yeah. If you were going to compete, what would you do? I'd, pr- I'd probably do dynamic. So uh, for people that don't know what dynamic flying looks like, because maybe we're, we're talking to new skydivers and people who haven't been in the tunnel sure. very much, what is, what is dynamic flying? So I guess to contrast, static is neutral belly back sit and head down not moving anywhere dynamic is fluidly moving between those orientations of head up and head down while you're carving specific lines and patterns in certain either time credentials or certain amount of rounds in the fastest amount of time so it's kind of like speed racing or figure eight racing in the tunnel uh, as opposed to just turning points in static positions. So turning points, we're building formations with other people. Yep. Dynamic can be one person, usually teams of two or four two in, in or competition. Four. Yep. What uh, if you were gonna f- uh, fly? Would you do a two-way or four-way team? Probably four-way. Probably four-way. And what? So there's a one, two, three, and four slot. Mm-hmm. What do you want to fly? I think three would be cool. So three follows one. Three follows one. So less pressure. Less pressure. What do you like? What What else do you like about it? Uh, I think it's the one that I've just flown, or having flown them all, I just feel more comfortable in with like the way I like to fly or the w- my awareness level in the tunnel at, at the moment because I haven't flown a bunch of it, you know. Well, if you want to come in last, I'll be two or four. Yes, yeah. right on. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, what uh, What are your goals in, in tunnel flying now? Man, honestly, for me at this point, I would like to help people achieve their skydiving well skydiving or tunnel goals their flying goals is always a super enjoyable process but for me personally outside of that i would just like to be a student myself i'm trying to get to a point where i can financially just invest in myself a little bit more in the tunnel and go get some actual structured coaching because it's all trial and error up to this point have you paid for coaching along your own progression no but i mean i've had people who people pay to coach them right that's kind of a, a like a, yeah. a a bro thing about working yeah, in the tunnel sure. right most for most sure. tunnel instructors just kind of share the love when yeah. they're in town or whatever but it's definitely like asking your older brother how sex works right it's not like <laughs> you going and getting a college lecture and getting practice and all this other stuff with some kind of process it's just like yeah this is what it feels like for me trying not to yeah, <laughs> they're probably not going to give you the same yeah, no. briefing or attention or debrief all these people who shake their head at me in the tunnel like no i'm not going to do that I've got a spotter. Like, <laughs> there are people who don't get spotters, and it's way scarier. Way okay. scarier. Yeah, it's horrifying. Tell me, tell me about people shaking their head in the tunnel. Oh man, like I think for students, like it's the when students come in and they'll do all kinds of stuff, but when they get to this point where they're just not comfortable and they just shake their head no, it's like that could mean so many things, but typically it means like 
no, I don't, I don't trust myself to do that. And it's like, man, I'm not asking you to do something that you, you're not able to do or that we aren't able to like facilitate, you know? So for me, it's just tunnels expensive and you sit there and you shake your head no. And I just <laughs> laugh I'm like, geez, there, yeah, you're like <laughs> there goes 75 cents. <laughs> just shake your head. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if you could hear the money hitting the ground the, the, the whole time that you were yeah. flying in the tunnel. I wonder if that put the pressure on it anymore. <laughs> that yeah. would put the pressure on me for sure. Yeah. Just have another clock, but it's just a currency. Just right. I often think about this as I'm putting uh, gas in my car. I think, like, man, this is just about the same pace as it as it costs to be in the tunnel. Watching, yeah, watching that thought of go. that. That's pretty That accurate. would be quite a... Uh, um, yeah, get yourself like just doing it right. Some students would respond well. Some students probably would not respond well. To yeah, that. that's true because the lights mm-hmm. kind of freak me out when it's like ta- your time's up. I'm like, I gotta get out of here yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yep. I feel like that would actually. Make You've me done ten great transitions and then the lights flash and, and all of a sudden you like, can't crap. get up off your back anymore. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's totally me. <laughs> I forget everything. <laughs> Classic. <Yeah. laughs> so. You're, are you still working? Like, are you a red suit tunnel instructor? Are you still taking classes? I just got reinstated yesterday, actually. No, nice, yeah, man. Congratulations. Yeah, it'll be nice because winter's coming, so I'm going to be more in Florida anyway, so it'll be nice to get current in the tunnel again. It seems like a lot of instructors that I know have kind of been riding that for as long as they can about, uh, yeah. about not going back. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just the uncertainty of the future or if it's just that it's been skydiving season. For me personally, I've had luckily had the opportunity to freelance work and... Uh, the way they've brought people on and structured it, it was all full-time at first, and I just wasn't able to fulfill that, you know. So now that they're at the kind of, we're going to figure out our final capacity, and he, here's some part-time slots, they add a seniority and all the different, you know, stuff they're looking at, they decided to offer. And this is for Tampa? Yeah. How, how long have they been flying people again? I think we only had maybe like three or four weeks where we were shut down. Oh, really? That's not The bad. state of Florida, you know. Going we, for it. Yeah, Hold going my beer. for it. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. Like, Awesome for the guys that were able to, to, that needed the work and needed the money. They didn't have to sit out too long and started with some experienced flyers back in, I think, May. We started flying people again. And then it's just once a month they'll update and we'll always add hours, add days. And now it's sold out Tuesday through Sunday. And now we're just waiting to open Mondays again. You still have a lot of friends and family in Tampa? Uh, I actually don't have any uh, family. Just, fr- just yeah, friends? Yeah, just friends. And mm-hmm. has, do you know, I mean, I, I hear what they say in the news, but. That seems to be pretty different than what's actually happening in most people's lives. Like, how how has the whole corona situation been for people there? I mean, for me, I don't know. Like, my speaking only from my perspective, you've seen the the standard people not upset. I mean, you know, people not wanting to wear their masks everywhere. Oh, I've never even heard of people wanting to not wear a mask. That's crazy. It's pretty similar to (laughs) Texas, but, you know, there's a little bit more humidity. You know, that's really the difference. It's I don't think it's any different here. I've been traveling quite a bit this summer. Seems pretty standard. You know, people are scared. People are pissed about masks. And, you know, I haven't personally, I know there are people that go in the hospital, but nothing out of the regular. Yeah, I know a handful of people who have gotten positive tests and some of those people who have said that they had a pretty rough go of of being sick. Yeah. But I don't know anyone that's been in the hospital Mm -hmm. or uh, anything else. My, My girlfriend's a nurse who works in a hospital here in Houston. And... I would think that the low number of deaths would make her feel better about yeah. like going out to a restaurant or being out in public or whatever. But she's still super terrified of it. So I, you know, knowing her and seeing how afraid she is, I can understand that there are some people that are genuinely afraid of being sick. But seeing, you know, we've been back in business for almost four months now. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're in a pretty confined space with a lot of strangers in a normal day. 
And man, our staff's been pretty healthy the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And so it just makes me wonder, you know, we have masks on for the majority of the time with, with other people, but we're taking them off in the plane for at least a, a couple of minutes as we gear up, because I think it could definitely be argued that a mask over your face going into free fall, becoming a mask over your eyes could surely affect your ability to perform yeah. safely on a skydive. So I think that skydiving safety still needs to come first. Absolutely. But so, so that's why I, you know, I'm never going to be the guy that says, we have to skydive with masks on. That's, I think that's crazy. Yeah. But it's hard for me to imagine many scenarios where people are interacting with strangers as, as closely as we do. As us, yeah. And if it's, um, you know, if it hasn't hit us really in a, you know, I don't know any of our jump staff who have been sick. So if it hasn't hit us, I mean, I just want to know who's who's getting the worst of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I are you worried about getting sick? I mean, it's been around for a while and I was in the wind tunnel. Like when I heard about it and everybody like obviously everything started just steamrolling downhill. It's like, man, we've been in a recirculating Petri dish for months with this mm-hmm. stuff already, you know. So and again, just like anything else, it sucks people, you know, the immunity issues and the pre-existing conditions and all that stuff people are going to get sick and people are going to die like but again it's interesting to to know that there are people out there that are suffering and getting super sick but again in our environment still not having really been affected too much the people that have gotten sick flu like stuff home for a couple of days that's it but i mean i would imagine it's the you know, just the people that are already not taking very good care of themselves hygienically either, you know, mm-hmm. like I think that part of the population is getting affected pretty good. But yeah. If you're on the McDonald's and Coca-Cola yeah, diet, yeah, you're overweight, you don't exercise, don't take vitamins, not don't doing do anything. anything, not yeah. sanitizing, not washing your hands you a couple not, times a day. Might not have a great go of it. Probably not. Have, uh, have any of you in this room been sick at all since this whole thing started? No. Way back in December. Yeah. And it was something that I got. Like, oh, it's not the flu, it's something, but here's some flu medicine, go home, send mm-hmm. it out. And then a couple of days of what I thought was the flu, and that was it. Yeah, mm. that's kind of an interesting question, though, because I, I haven't gotten sick, like, with anything. Like, yeah, and I don't know. I, I haven't been sick since the, well, the February when we went to Deland. I had a, a small something. Yep. It felt, felt like just a cold to me, a couple of days. You were a little baby on the trip there. Yeah, I was unpleasant. That's probably fair no, to say. No, you you actually weren't. You you were very respectful about saying I don't feel very good right now. I don't feel good. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone. Let's go to Florida. Yeah, I'm gonna be grumpy. It was a little so bit nicer than that. Fortunately, I know. Yeah, like Nick and I can speak very bluntly to each other, and just appreciate. Like, you know, I don't I care. Try, I try and advertise my mood. Yeah, yeah, because then you're like, what did I do it's something like, hey, wrong? No, no, just leave me you're alone. Yeah. Not feeling if I good. don't look at you in the eyeballs and I don't respond when you talk to me, <laughs> just give me some time. I'll come back around. Yeah. I appreciate knowing that. <laughs> I will that. look at those yeah. eyeballs again. No, I, I haven't been sick at all, but I've also probably been the most isolated person in this room. I mean, it, it's I've been at the drop zone about one, until recently one day a week at most um, through most of COVID. And other than that, I've rarely left my house, um, partially because I don't need to. Yeah. So you don't leave home. Do, have have you done anything different in the since the the Rona has emerged that you think maybe has kept you from getting sick? Um, no, but I've been fairly. I mean, the whole hygiene thing, the whole wash your hands, don't touch things. That's, that's something that's, that's that's par for the course for you, right? I, yeah. So, what the one thing I love about COVID is I finally see people behaving responsibly with <laughs> like like the whole before COVID. I probably w- would have given you a fist bump at the door, the elbow yeah, fist bump. Sure. It's no something that's not change much now i'm a little bit more cautious um until this is over but 
recently I've started hugging some friends again. I'm very selective. Um, and, and really it's, so my, my light germ, germophobia in general is broken down very quickly through in, intimacy. My fear mm. of intimacy is also hard to break through in, in general as well. Like hugging somebody is not my general thing. Uh. Uh, somebody like, I just saw you hug. I'm like, dude, I just spent a week with him in an AFF course in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to get a like, like, what's up? Broken he deserves the hug, man. Dude, <laughs> we, just, we just hated each no other one. in the airplane more than once. More than once he looked at me going like, I hate you right now, DJ. <laughs> Like he deserves like some respect back. Um, you know, I haven't seen uh, Melissa Nelson when I greeted her at the airport. I hadn't seen her in forever. So um, I say forever. I hadn't seen her in a year, year and a half. So we greeted each other with a hug. Uh, there was a little bit of hesitancy and actually uh, didn't. I don't think we greeted each other with a hug in the airport. I think we were respectful there. You know, just in general public didn't know the temperature. She was here a little bit earlier on. Uh, events were just getting back up. And then when we got in the parking garage, I'm like, hey, so nobody's around. What's up? How are you doing? Good to see you. Um, which, uh, by the way, she's running for USPA board, national director. Just saying. Uh, this November, you guys will be able to vote online. There's all sorts of really good. I'm struggling because I have multiple friends running for the board yeah. this this term. and or Not this term, but this, this temporary election. You actually know one of them. Uh, Brandon. Brandon, yeah, yeah Brandon. Brandon's Brandon. awesome, and uh, I think pretty well of him. Uh, he works with me and Valerie, Valerie, and myself in the mentor program, uh, so I've got to know him pretty good. He's come and visited here and spent some time with Valerie and myself for the program, and I think pretty highly of the dude. I um, it's hard because I think Melissa represents a uh, a a uh, part of the sport that's not represented on the board. I think Brandon's. Uh, services are well represented on the board brandon is safety and training brandon is an examiner brandon does canopy courses i mean he is very similar to me in mind mind and thought and there's a lot of people like that on the board there's nobody representing the vertical disciplines on the board i'm not saying which one i'm gonna i, I have not decided who i'm voting for for this not one bit but um man it, it's it's that's a hard argument for me to get over that vertical discipline because i if i were able to just fun jump and somebody paid me to fun jump regularly it'd probably be just straight eh, angle flying i count that in the vertical arts um and they need representation every part of the sport does so, so you're kind of of the opinion that there are some old school fellows on the board and maybe some of the things that are uh, new and current and changing aren't being uh, brought into the conversation um no because i, I just yesterday i was on the phone with uh, ron bell he's the director of safety and training and really enjoyed a conversation about the current state of the board. And it's actually a lot of fresh blood. There's a lot of newer people. There's some old blood, but there's a lot of new thought, new young people uh, on the board and young, not necessarily by age. I'm 46. I'm, I'm not necessarily young, but I would be. I was young when I was on the board. Um, not then. I was considered young. Um, uh, also at headquarters, there's a lot of new young staff. So I actually think the board and USPA is starting to think further forward. Um, man, I'm so sorry, Ron, if I, uh, get this information wrong, but I believe the board is now doing through COVID their committee meetings all through zoom. Mm -hmm. That way, when they go to the USPA board meetings together, um, in, in a week and a half from now, they'll be able to have their meeting a little bit quicker. Uh, the general board is in a big, big room. Committees are in small rooms, so they're limited to how many people in those rooms happen. Um, because of that, remember with Melissa, we talked about making, making, uh, the board meetings more accessible. Mm. I should, 
there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to sit on a safety and training committee meeting and listen to and then ask to speak my mind. There's sure. no reason why you shouldn't be able to speak to the com- uh, competition committee or the member services or, or any of them. Um, and, and they're very open to that. And I think it's something that's happening. I do think it's uh, a younger blood. Now, they still, with that younger blood, aren't representing free flying. So uh, yes and no to your answer. Do you think it's because they're the, the younger people are newer to the sport? In some cases, yes. Um, in some cases, man, I, I think historically your belly flyers are more disciplined, more focused. Historically, free flying has been more of the artsy fartsy. We don't care. We're just going to go fly around <laughs> each other. Um, VFS has highly changed that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think VFS has changed not only that and free flying, but I think other disciplines such as uh, movement flight really has learned that structure that VFS brings it because now I'm not watching people. We flocked years ago. We flocked 20 years ago. We call them flocking jumps. I was great at flocking jumps. You know why? Because I backslide like a mother. Like <laughs> DJ's leading on a flocking jump. Just hold the heading, DJ. We're going to chase you. The more we try hold to on, get David, you. I want to ask, if I asked you, do you want to go flock? What do you think I would be asking you? Canopy. 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 Okay. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm with it. Now. Yeah. So old fogey terms. No, I mean, but I, I learned the same, same as you. The okay. first time I heard, heard the words flocking, it meant moving in a group. Yeah. Okay. But it didn't have to do with parachutes. Not yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, dude, I totally forgot one. I totally was. interrupted you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> but now angle and movement flights have that discipline that VFS brings. The movement you guys are doing, the switching, and I think the tunnel has also done it. Where dynamic flight and and the organization, the choreography that goes behind it is just. I love watching Fly for Life. The use of the space. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Um, you were here for uh, Tropical, or were you here for tropical. Okay Tropical Space yeah. Camp? And I love watching like you guys dirt dive things. It's like it's it's mind boggling for you. Imagine us watching it. Yeah, yeah. So or live bigs, man. When uh, MX is it's MX who uh, he's one of the organizers. Yeah, yeah MX yeah. Mikey Knight. But no, Mikey Knight. That's the one that evaporates my brain. Watch. I've watched him engine. If I can find Mikey Knight engineering something, I go sit off to the side and watch him put a skydive together. And watching him develop it just MX all of them, but it just blows my brain how much structure. It seems like with the big way stuff, there's like a California way of thinking and talking and dirt diving and an Arizona way of thinking and talking and dirt diving. Define that. I I don't know the difference. I only notice it when people from both places come together for an event and you can tell that there's this conflict in how it's being walked. That someone from I learned the California way because that's I learned from, from Mikey and those dudes when we the first time we went out for the Lodi sequentials and I was Terrified and way out of my league, and accidentally on it's a edibles. Place to be. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> that, that's why DJ's laughing is because he's hoping he's going to get me to tell this story. Yeah. But uh, no buts. Go for it. No, I don't. I've told that story before. I don't. You'll. Yeah. Anyway. But but you can tell when when those groups come together at Spaceland for for a big way event. You'll hear these little. It's not even like anyone's arguing. It's just like these little, these little back and forths about the way it's being described or talked about or walked or visualized or whatever. <laughs> but uh, no, M- Mikey, I get it from him because he ju- he just says it in a way that makes sense to my stupid brain. So I, I really like his way as well. I uh, I just get mesmerized by it all. Um, so I think the board is ju- dominantly uh, more focused people. And the more focused disciplines tend to be represented there. So I don't think the representation is lacking. Um, 
because but, but of youth, but because of personality types. Right, because, but the people who go and chase the dream of becoming an organizer and they do that with their skydiving career and you're out, you know, hustling business and organizing crazy skydivers doesn't really give you a lot of time to, yeah, no. to run for the board. Right? Yeah, well, yeah. It also, not only does it give you time to run for a board, but let me, let me, give, let me give you an idea. I, I, I got a suggestion for you. Sure, yeah, yeah. Why don't you donate two weekends a month, three days each weekend, plus travel days before and after if necessary, to go uh, sit in a boardroom for eight to ten hours a day for free. For free. Yeah. Would you like I sign up? Where, are you interested? Sure. 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 Rotation? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Every, every, every six months, you've got to go. Free, yeah. huh? And sometime in those, you'll take a conference call here or there. You'll take an email here and there. If you're regional director, you're going to travel to other DZs, deal with things on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. Dang. I mean... It's it's I mean the pay's free. You sure you don't want to sign up? Sure. <laughs> so I mean Crazy, that that's yeah. I think that appeal is is very difficult. Yeah. And I think that appeal attracts a certain personality type. Um I mean granted I I've done it um and I tell you I'm not. You don't see me jumping up and down. I make fun of my friends who are on the board. Maybe one day I'll serve again, but my gosh, it is it is not a uh, I don't envy those guys and gals sitting there. Under a mic, they're not under a microscope, but being criticized nonstop. If they're under a microscope, maybe we'd stop criticizing them. Who do you think's criticizing them? Uh, Ignorant people. I mean, but from the skydiving community as a whole. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Or you mean other people on the in USPA or on the board? Or no, dominantly skydivers. How, How many? How often do you hear people complain about USPA? All the time. But what do you know about what your board member's done for you, what uh, USPA's done for you? What, what do you know about it? And most complaints I hear are from ignorant people who don't know what's going on. Hmm. Um, I, I've regularly heard people give a complaint and, and somebody in USPA can say, well, I mean, this is the answer to your complaint. Like, oh, well, never mind. That makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've watched people make tons of noise unjustly. Um, Sometimes justly, like Steph was really making, nah, she didn't make horrible noise, but she made a lot of noise about the uh, D-license requiring night jumps. And that I think that's a fair thing to make noise about. I didn't care that it required only night jumps, but I get that she's against that. Um, but people complaining about things that already exist or people saying, yeah, just there's a lot of complaints if people don't know what they're talking about hmm. with what the board does. So Yeah, I, I really don't think that those complaints come from your average fund. Like, do you do you have anything to complain about about USPA? No, but I would say that I'm definitely ignorant in what they do. All I know is I still jump out of airplanes. Yeah, you're not griping <laughs> about yeah, it, though, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. No, I don't have any reason You've to got complain. a USPA membership. I pay, I you pay get the magazine. Print, you know, I pay you got some insurance if you, we ever get you real hurt. Do you read the magazine? The parachutist? Yeah. Yeah, I'll flip through it. I won't, yeah. don't read it too heavily. I actually have unsubscribed. You can, when you sign up for your membership, or you can go onto your membership online and just go, don't send me the magazine. Hmm. It comes to the drop zone all the time. There's a bunch of people who don't live there anymore who still get them sent there every year nonstop. It's a new person because of rotation uh, seasonal staff. Um, so if I see one I want a copy of, I just go like, oh, He's not here anymore, and I bring it home. I, I just I, don't need it. When I first started skydiving, I really, I did read through it. I would go through, I would find good articles, and I would read through it. Yeah. And then as I progressed in skydiving, I would go through and look for pictures that my friends had taken, maybe a picture I was in. There's only been a couple of pictures that I have taken in there. And now I just look at the cover. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now the parachutist. Yeah, cool. yeah. Cool. I might look at the cover. I've actually seen a parachutist in my house because Valerie will still get them and go like, Oh, I never saw this cover. It must be new. Oh, three months old. Three months uh, either old. that or my memory's you just know, gone I crazy. I actually do use the magazine more than I thought. Anytime I'm shipping something, I tear one up <laughs> yeah. and use talking. the pages for, for yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they allow us to opt out of it. Just partially wasted resources. Yeah. Uh, just a the money to produce it. B the uh, 
Yeah, just throwing paper. I just, even recycling, I don't want to go through the resources. I, I do think that they're in defense of the magazine. I do think that there's good information in there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are good articles, good articles in there and there are often great pictures in there. I just feel like as a society, I've become too lazy to yeah, interact I don't with read the magazine. Like yeah, make all. it a video. I'll probably watch that. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's the sure. only thing that comes in my mailbox is parachutist. Yeah. <laughs> like really? It's the only thing that's in my mailbox. <laughs> Wow, man. I get a lot of mail then. I mean, it's all junk mail, but no, I, I guess it's work. It's all work mail. Um, I do read probably three articles a year. Uh, I do browse here and there. I don't regularly. Every now and then I'll start flipping through parachutists just to see what articles are. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll read that about ratings or maybe I'll read that about some cool event, something that attracted me or a friend points out, uh, you know, Pecker at the DZ, mm-hmm. uh, older guy. If you, uh, you may have seen him. He wears all green, older dude with a bad slouch. He has oh, two man. GoPros on a frat hat. I have not. I would remember yeah, two he's GoPros awesome. on a you frat hat. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, have not met Pecker. Love Pecker to death. Yeah, I said it that way, folks. Uh, love Pecker to death. He's a super old school jumper. Um, the two GoPros on a frat hat will prove it. That's awesome. But one of my favorite things about him is he is at Safety Day every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our old school organizers at, at Safety Day said, "Why aren't you jumping?" Um, we actually walks like, "Hey, Pecker, you big." P- uh, call them a duck, a a, a kitten. Uh, we're getting no swear September. I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> nice. Call them a kitten. Good catch. Thank yeah. you, man. Uh, uh, why aren't you jumping? Oh, man, safety day. Oh, but I gave him grief about it. And uh, no, Pecker's like, no, man, safety day. It's, it's Nobody's over it. Like, I should be here. And about once every month or two months, he comes to me with an article from Parachutist and wants to understand. And it's almost always a safety issue, yeah, a yeah. fatality issue. Like gear, yeah. yeah a gear write up. He's like, explain this to me or show me an RDS or explain why angle flying has this thought process. So I stay up to speed enough to understand the safety aspects. Imagine if the younger jumpers did that. Dude, you would be beast. Crazy. If you you cared as much as Pecker did. Like we all cared about falling out of airplanes. Like Mm. it's falling out of airplanes. Yeah. (laughs) Think with your Pecker. (laughs) (laughs) Think like That's a a t-shirt. Classic classic (laughs) male problem. I want to get a picture of him that says, think like Pecker. Um, There's a newest, uh, there's the latest uh, Top Bloke Outfitters. Yeah. Mm. Definitely a sticker, at least. Top Bloke Outfitters. Uh, we had a little cat that we won't, t- we won't say his name anymore because we're no longer allowed to talk about him. Mm-hmm. He's from a country. Uh, Crocodile Dundee's from this country. I won't say that name anymore either. Uh, they get excited if we talk about them. Uh, Jackson, There's got to be at least one watching right now losing yeah. their mind. <laughs> Jackson, he down, he, uh, Jackson came here for the Unlimited Jump Package, was already a fan of Houston, the show, because uh, he knew buddies who were here. Uh, he, Jackson is absolutely a wonderful human being. Absolutely can't say enough good things Jack about the guy. guy. Uh, Jacko is what we call him. Uh, Jackson would say, how good is the jump package? How good is Chick-fil-A? How good are waffles? How good whatever? So we had a shirt made of him on a tricycle with a Gravity Lab Radio t-shirt on. Nice. And it says, how good is? And he also called people top blokes. He's a top bloke, mate. He's yeah. top bloke. <laughs> so the shirt was made by top bloke outfitters. That's awesome. Oh, I have a question. Yo. In this land of which we will not speak, they use the C word, which I'm not sure if I can say because cunt. it's no swear September. Cunt. Oh, we can yeah. say cunt. Is I, that I, like a swear word? That's not a swear word in my book. I mean, I don't know. I that's would cool. I wouldn't say it in front of my mom and I would say <laughs> lots of words in front of my mom. True. But if we were in Australia, I would but definitely that's like say that's a normal thing. Yeah, he's a good cunt. Yes. <laughs> See, you said it. Mom, it's it's all right. It sounds e- like it sounds easy it that, with an that, accent, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, he's just a he's just a good old cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You're, uh, that was he's good. Me, he's, me, he's a good cunt. 
<laughs> I wish I could do accents. Like I can no. do them on accident. I can do like English, but yeah. that's it. Yeah. But I don't do them on purpose. I you just got to hang out with those people long enough. You yeah. Pick it up. Yeah. I can really only get them from movies. Like if you want me to say any line from Goodwill Hunting or The Departed, <laughs> yeah, I can have that <laughs> nice. accent. The but departed. if you want me to like okay. have this conversation <laughs> with one. that accent, Ricky, Bobby, Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Ray. Wait, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. I watched this movie. Back just it up, back it up. it's Marky, Ricky, Davy, Terry, Mikey, Davy, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. Nice. <laughs> it, 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 it was written on the. Whiteboard. It was written on the whiteboard for weeks. And I couldn't memorize it. And then someone came in and memorized like six of them in three yeah. minutes. Oh, and I was man. like, okay, here we go. Yeah, like, it's happening now right now. Yeah, yeah. And then 20 minutes went by and I had it. Who did that to you? Blake? No, Chris Fudala actually walked in and there were 12 names written up on the board. Do you know this movie, Goodwill Hunting? Uh, I've seen it once. Okay, well, this, in Goodwill Hunting, he's an orphan and he's lying and telling the woman that he's dating that he has 12 big brothers, that he's the 13th child. <laughs> And she asks him if he knows all their names. And he says, yes. And Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian are his brother's names. And he <laughs> rattles it <laughs> off. And it's, it's one of my favorite movies. And I can quote most lines from that movie. And uh, a buddy at work, Greg, Greg will always, if, if I'm having a hard day, I think Greg recognizes it. Or if he just wants, if you want to get me in a good mood, if you want a positive response from me, say any line from Goodwill Hunting. And I will continue the rest of the movie from there on out. Nice. <laughs> but I could never remember this line. So uh, Greg actually wrote it up on the whiteboard, all 12 names in a row. And I still couldn't get it. And Chris Fudala, being the learning genius that he is, comes in and draws two uh, vertical lines, breaking them up into three chunks of four. Ah, the technique. <laughs> yep. And then it was uh, Mark, Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry. And I was like, oh, I got, yeah, I can, get, I can get those. I can get those four. And then I... I could always get the last four, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian, and I just had to get those middle four, <laughs> and it was game on after that. Nice. And then I made everyone hate me because I said it a thousand times Every walking day. around the drive. Like, I can't game. not remember this. Blazer yep. says it's still there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I erased it, but maybe maybe I didn't. They, like, re- rewrote it. But, uh, yeah, what a... What a fun thing. What a stu I hate how much I love quoting movies. Dude, I and saw there the is Anchorman stint. It was awesome. But that was, that was really hilarious. fun. Spe- speaking of Mr. Blake. Beautifully done. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm happy you enjoyed that. that uh, dude, I thought awesome. I thought it was gonna get way more attention online than it did. It should I, have. I don't know if more people just have. didn't get the joke. God. Did I did you see the the fully uh the full version where it starts uh, with Blake shouting he shouts, I went skydiving and now I'm in love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the the one that I ended up posting, I had cut a little bit out of it because the there was some audio stuff in it that I didn't oh, like, like yeah. some a glitch with his microphone. Hmm. But man, I that was one of my favorite things so to make. Good. I just thought it was super, super funny. Spot on. Singing, singing together with two versions of ourselves. I thought that was great. Hilarious. But uh, Blake really shined in that. Dude, the talent level yeah, what on a, that piece is great. What yeah, a, really what a perfect Ron Burgundy. Yeah, it was awesome. That mustache. So good. He, he, man, it was great. There's one There's one moment that's my favorite moment where he... like. So as we're that group of four of us, obviously there were not four of us. There were just two of us. So we're pretending to talk to imaginary versions of ourselves <laughs> across the nice. way. And so I'm holding the camera at him, making him pretend to look over at another person who's not there. And as he's shooting these looks, there's one that's so perfect. It's one that I ended up using in the video. It's so great. But uh, yep, love you, Blake. You're the best, uh, best Ron Burgundy, other than Will Ferrell. You're number two. <laughs> oh, you have it up on the screen. Yes. Oh, I'm <laughs> like, so happy. There's no audio. I'm so no, it's fine because I, I think the. <laughs> I'm sorry for anyone who's only listening to this. This is one of my very yes. favorite things I've ever made. 
but uh, he <laughs> he really nailed that role. And you know what's funny? Someone even someone and when you will, start singing all together, you're, you like sing on top of each other, like you're no, recording we, a couple I, things. I stole that audio from the movie. Oh, like okay. that's that's straight up from the movie. His his singing right here. This this is him. This is still him. <laughs> yeah, there's a four, four of us standing around, the blue and then blockers. right the there blockers. when we all join in, that's when I started uh, ripping off the audio from the movie. Oh, okay, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> sorry, sorry for anyone who's only listening to this after the fact. But we're really enjoying uh, the uh, Spaceland Anchorman rendition. And also, you can always bring the computer slider oh, up true, just true. a hair to give us a little background noise if you ever wanted to. Elsa is newer to the it's, show. Well, uh, I don't want to like blast it. I wonder yeah. if you have it muted there on the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I might that, have that browser muted from something else. That's so. fine. But that was a lot of fun to make. And gosh, gosh darn it, Blake, Blake nailed that he role. Did. That was perfect. How did you and Blake meet, speaking of, of uh, good cunts? The tunnel. the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he came to Tampa, and I was at Tampa already. And I actually was in the process of helping with FITPs to go through a trainer rating mm-hmm. process. And I happened to be like, yeah, sure, I'll go up and train the class that has our new guy coming into it, you know. And, of course, he easy person to get along with, you know. So we hit it off, and he was going to come down and work. And it was, a, it was a fun year having him in Tampa, for sure. So what, what are the qualifications to do an FITP, a, f- a flight instructor training program to for the wind tunnel? To enter into employment? No, to, to teach someone. To teach it? Yeah. Uh, you have to have a T4, so just like level one through four instructors, there's level one through four trainers. Mm-hmm. And essentially a one can sign off a one, a two, a two, a three, a three, and so on and so on. A four can take anybody off the street with no prior experience and one-on-one teach them and sign them off to be legally responsible to take people in the wind, give them high flights, all the way up through taking people and flying them and spotting them head down. So he's like the top dog and there has to be one of those that teaches an FITP. So there has to be a there T4. There has to be a T4. In an FITP. Yeah. I feel like we might be speaking some foreign languages to some people who, who don't know. Yeah, this. yeah. So when, when I'm a, I, okay, I've just got a job at the wind tunnel. Perfect. I go through FITP, first flight instructor training program. Mm-hmm. And before I'm able to, to take first time flyers, am I a, an, an, what rating do I have? You are signed off out of FITP as a level one, meaning you level can one instructor. take people in the wind tunnel without leaving your feet and instruct them how to fly on their belly. Great. Yeah. Level one. Level one. But that, that the level one through four is a progression. Yes. And that's a totally separate progression than trainer one through four. Yes. Yeah. So when I want to become a trainer one, what what is a... A T1, what does that mean? What T1 are we gonna do? has to be a level four instructor. Okay, so I got to be pretty good at teaching the stuff already. Pretty good at teaching the stuff. I have to be able to take people head down. And this is teaching just students in the wind, not teaching instructors. This is just teaching students. Great, okay. Yeah. T1, you get signed off. You can teach people how to operate the wind tunnel, whether it's a new instructor or a CSR or management position that needs to learn how to operate the driving booth, so to speak. Um, and then a T2 you earn the ability to sign off a level one instructor who can coach people on their belly to coach people on the second position, which is back flying. Uh, and then so on forth for the T3, same thing. You can sign an instructor who can already teach people how to back fly, how to teach people and spot people mm-hmm. sit flying. And then the T4, that's where you get the, you know, the blank check where you can 
sign people off for any safety instructor role needed inside the wind tunnel. So I noticed how the skill levels changed like, like you know, seven years ago, mm-hmm. like what it meant to be a pro flyer in the wind tunnel. Th- those, that's changed a lot, right? Yeah, yeah pro as, flyers. Yeah, if, as long as you can hold still yeah. upside down and do a cartwheel to mm-hmm. get there, you were the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's changed a lot with, with everything that's on the flyer chart. Has the the training and instructing world changed in an, in an equal way? I think so. It's a lot less hazing, <laughs> for sure. Okay, what do you, I I know what you mean by that, but yeah. for someone who doesn't know how how those FITPs used to be, what do you mean? I think that they were a little bit more boot campy and a little bit more again older brother showing you what's what because this is the world you live in now kind of thing. And it was never, I think. I mean, I'm sure there were emotional encounters but i don't think it was ever anything spiteful it was just the the sports kind of background to it you know it's what they knew yeah it's the toughening process and that's how they were taught you know Um, but obviously as the company gets bigger and you have a lot less concentration of higher experience to the number of people you have to transition you have to standardize the process uh, which is what's happened which has been really nice um, but they have been able to kind of do more with less, right? As far yeah, as for sure. making someone uh, able to be safe in the wind with first-time flyers, for but sure. with a lot less time it's in the about, wind tunnel. It's not about you learning how to fly; it's about you learning how to <laughs> take those people in and keep them safe. Say that again for yeah. every person who dreams of being a tunnel instructor. What what is their job? It's not about being able to fly; it's about keeping that person safe in the wind tunnel and making sales, for sure. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I, I mean, iFly does. Uh, I don't know. For I, I've done quite a few video projects with them and have also had a lot of friends who have worked there. Mm -hmm. So like I've got a good perspective on the inside from a lot of the corporate people who I've talked to and interviewed with different, different video projects. And you know, you can see it from the adult perspective of like, Hey, this is what the company needs to, to make money. Yeah. And they make decisions and rules that they have no idea how that affects a tunnel instructor's day to day. And so then I see the, you know, I can very, clearly see the perspective of the person who agreed to go make $10 an hour Mm -hmm. because they want to become an awesome flyer in the wind tunnel. And this is the thing that they're passionate about. And I can see people in corporate in the office world of iFly totally overlook that and not real, you know, they have no idea that that's that important to them. There were a lot of people in the corporate office at iFly, which I think they let go of a huge chunk of that team, which I think out of that was some of it was out of necessity because they were in a financial bind. Mm -hmm. And I really think some of it was just cutting the fat because there were a lot of people that were not involved in that world at all. But, you know, you'd go talk to people and, you know, that would be my first question to any person I met at corporate sitting at a desk anyway. Oh, are you a flyer? Oh, yeah, I did. I did two minutes once when they interviewed me. Yeah. And it's like, wait, what are you doing? Like, why, mm-hmm. why do you work for this company? Like, you don't care about, like, there are people, I don't want to say throwing their lives away, but giving up a lot of other opportunities to go be poor, whether they're tunnel flyers for fun. And, you know, I've seen people live out of their van to be a tunnel flyer. And I've seen people do the same thing to be a tunnel instructor. So, I mean, there are people giving up their life for this thing that they enjoy so much. And you don't even go to the building. Like, you don't even know what they like about it. Like, why, mm-hmm. why do you work here? Yeah. Have you interacted with many people like that in your in your time there? No, not really. I haven't interacted with a lot of corporate people. How, how's the GM at Tampa? Well, the GM is now Christopher Frere. So he's oh, a, I know he, Chris. Yeah, so he's a T4 lead instructor. That's who, perfect, who is now man. a GM. So it's they got to do it's that. It's a totally tunnel, tunnel instructor run tunnel except our AGM. Everybody else is a tunnel instructor besides the AGM and the CSRs. How, how does that make you feel as someone who works there? It's awesome. I mean, Chris has business owning experience, rock climbing gym and stuff like that. Um, 
and he's a super solid dude if anybody doesn't know him. So he's a, he's an awesome person to have in that role. Like I, I've heard horror stories of having bad GMs and bad leads, and it really is about team chemistry. Like We're just super lucky in Tampa, not only to have Chris in that position, but just our experience level and you know the relationship that we all have with each other. It's We lucked out for sure, for sure. So uh, do, you, do you see yourself working for iFly for a while into the future? Um, I think for now um, I have the ability to balance that coaching aspect that mm-hmm. still is the professional side of what I want to do with the tunnel for sure. Um, but I think in the next year or two at some point, something with skydiving or other things, I think that I'll continue to coach, but I probably won't be taking first-timers for much more than another couple of years. you know. But just body-wise, I wouldn't want to do it either. You know. What do you mean? It's, uh, I mean, it's manual labor. Six years of manual labor mm-hmm. is, you know, if someone had told me the job was more like carrying a windy, you know, a piece of drywall across a windy parking lot, <laughs> I probably would have reconsidered it a little bit more, you know, and, and how I instructed from an early point, you know. Uh, you would have thought a little bit more about longevity? Of longevity, for sure. Yeah, I used to rip high flights and all, you know, all the stereotypical type A male gets into a role, you know, give him a tight suit and... <laughs> see what kind of cool stuff you can do like, <laughs> you, you definitely like you there's a there's a mentality to it and if that's my advice to anybody that's a younger tunnel instructor like do things super slow super easy nothing aggressive and you'll be able to do it for 10 12 years for sure i, I do feel like i'm hearing less people complain about shoulder injuries from working yeah. on the wind tunnel what, what do you think's changed that uh high flight restrictions i think a lot of people are like respecting the high flight i think it's it's a great idea like they're fun to do aggressively but it's the most dangerous thing we do in that building. What do you mean by high flight restrictions? Um, for example, the speed of the rotations, the height that we're allowed to go, just the uh. overall visual of it. Again, standardizing it. You get an L2 who just got signed off, and he's like chipping these guys up and down the wind tunnel. And then yeah. you get a T4 in there who's been doing it for you know three years plus. And he's doing barrel rolls with his legs underneath the students as he's whipping them around and, you know, doing all kinds of weird stuff. And it's just a difference in product. But also, too, like, you get big dudes and you're slinging them around. Like, man, it's not easy on you. It's not easy on your student. And, like, uh, we've had a gripper rip. Mm. You know, you're slinging someone around like a churro. And you <laughs> let that, <laughs> let that like thing a churro? Like a churro. You, you throw some churros, churros around? so man? good. Have you seen, uh, you've seen The League? The, that <laughs> TV no, show, the oh, I know. Yes, I, know I don't know mean. why, but in one episode, he says some line about the 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 kid, their baby, picking up his shit and playing with it and whipping it around his head like, like a, churro. a churro. And I don't know why that line <laughs> stuck with me. Basically, yeah, I like I'm it. Taking it, it's yeah. a good one. I call her office gal churro. If you actually <laughs> oh, no. see emails between her and I, I'm sorry, churro. Chara, Chara, yeah, yeah, Chara, churro, yeah, yeah. Dude, she's my sweet little Mexican dessert. Oh my girl, how you doing? She's making flan right now. I don't uh, think she's Mexican, dude. Her so flan. I, I, Actually, thought, I thought you just had so said that ironically. I was like, dude, she just made the best flan last week. But <laughs> oh, dude, she makes knows. the she makes the <laughs> treats. Mm-hmm. Gee, dang, she does a good job. No, I I don't. Even, I actually call her my brown little sweet dessert. I was gonna say yeah. I don't think she's Mexican. I, and I'm not sure <laughs> if she is at all either. But she is. I, I told her that, and the way I just said it, my sweet little dessert. I I say it to her that way all the time. She signs her emails to me. Churro. It's sure, yeah. Awesome. It, it's a. Uh, Super nice girl, man. I, dude, she is one of the best things that happened to that Dude, office. one of my all-time favorite people at the drop zone ever. We have a super strong manifest team. I, I have a lot of respect for what's going on in behind that counter right now and a large amount of compliments. I interact with them on business on a daily basis. I have to email, talk to, deal with them so much. 
uh, Chara, d- despite how great they are, Chara is still one of the best things that ever happened Top to that best man. She is absolutely a killer, dude. She cool. is as as smart as she is uh, personable, which usually you get people who are really good at the logistics of the job or who are really good at the people of the job. To get somebody who can do both is just, it's it's not common. I think we have a few of them who can do that now. And I've, mm. I've told this story about Chara in the in the recent past, so sorry if someone has just heard me tell this within the last few days. But she was sitting in the office, and a big tandem group that was too big to fit on one airplane, they had to be split up into three groups, came in, and they had checked in. Really high-energy group of people. They were fun. I took them to class. They were, they were very nice people. But with high energy came a little bit of high maintenance. And they came in, and the first time they, they asked to be have the group, the group split up in one way. Okay, great. She does it. She gets all the instructors, make sure she's within everyone's weight limits, make sure everyone can make the calls, make sure she's not duplicating one, everyone. Great. They come in as soon as she's done and say, hey, uh, we redid it, and we want so-and-so to go with so-and-so, and yada, yada, yada. And now everything conflicts on her screen. She's got to go change it all back around. And with the manifest system, it's not like there's an undo button. Like, there's no control Z with the way that, that we do it. And so... She gets everything swapped around to their second thing, and then they come back and say, "Oh, never mind. We want to do the first thing again," which <laughs> oh, she can't undo. She's got to just rework the entire thing. And she's probably so and composed and just like, All right, she, cool, "Well, this person yeah. left, and the moment that anyone else in the world, myself included, like I was ready for this person to walk out, so we could start talking trash about him." And she goes, "I'm not going to let these people ruin my day." Yeah. And just po- positive attitude powered right on through it. And I was like, you, yeah, "You're an angel." Girl. You're yeah, an angel. She's Girl. awesome. That's awesome. She affects my attitude regularly. I, I deal with her a lot. Canopy coaching, canopy courses, making calls, asking for weird things. I commonly ask for special requests or odd things, and she accommodates it all the time. But I'll also say, hey, I need about a 40-minute call. Okay, the closest thing I have is an 80. I'm like, all right, what number? I, I don't. I, that's one thing I feel bad for her. People walk in, hey, I, I'd like uh, the next load. Next load is a 40-minute call. Okay, do you have anything sooner? Mm. Yeah, no, you asked for the next call. She gave it to Man, you. If you want to be a good skydiver, if you want to be good with the ladies in Manifest, you can thank them at any time. Stop by and say, hey, thank you guys so much for the work that you do today. Because I think that, it, you know, even jump staff, it's really easy to overlook the amount of work that they do. But when you spend a few hours in there and you feel the chaos that's happening when you've got all sorts of people coming in for all sorts of different things, you try and say that. They know everybody's names. It's insane. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> If you just thank them for that, and if you walk up and say, hey, how can I do this better? Like, how can I make my experience of manifesting easier on you? What's a good thing to ask? What's not a good thing to ask? And uh, just while I'm sharing that, don't ask those ladies what the weather's going to do. <laughs> not ever. That's hilarious. They, That's got plenty <laughs> of, they got plenty of tandem students asking I, I, the same I, damn thing. Right. Yeah, they, they have Everyone. that already <laughs> to deal with. But you know what they don't have? As many skydives as the person asking that question. Chara has three tandems, I think. And they're spent. They're spent the whole day sitting in the office dealing with every possible thing on the computer that is not the weather report. So it's like, hey, wh- you know, you just walked right past the back porch on your way to ask, ask that question. Yeah. You know what? You also walk by the computer that has all of the weather information about it. And it's like, hey, if if it, the weather's good to skydive, you're probably going to see people jumping. What what makes you think this girl who doesn't skydive, who hasn't been outside, has any idea what the weather's going to do today? Don't ask that question. It's crazy. On a uh, given Saturday, 50 loads is a safe number to say we fly in Houston. Uh, on, on that's, regu- a, that's a pretty busy Saturday, 40? 50. Let's see. Because the caravan on a real busy day will get uh, uh, high 20s, low 30s is, is a pretty busy day for the caravan. 
but uh, add a add a ten to the otter, so yeah. forty maybe. Sure, let's let's say forty. Forty. So somewhere between seven hundred and eight hundred slots is what Chara manages on a given Saturday. Mm-hmm. If you're a jumper and you're walking into manifest, got to realize that gal behind the counter in a lot of drop zones are the same way, is filling. 700 to 800 slots. Not only is she filling those slots, that same young lady is actually managing the school. What instructors go where, what videographers go where, making sure instructors are signing the student program. All hey, the, the phone's ringing. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. all the while, you're coming in there making Hey, you missed something training. on your uh, uh-huh. waiver. <laughs> yeah. Can I get a tandem instructor for class? <laughs> that poor girl. Hey, uh, pull me off that load. I want to be on the other one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, what load are my buddies on? <laughs> hey, why the caravan shut down? So Nick has recently, I say recently, <laughs> over the, the last several months, uh, spent a lot more time in Manifest. I think you're more empathetic to the... I mean, I, I think I was understanding before of like, hey, I'm going to extend my patience to these people because I don't know what goes on in there. And now it's more like, I kind of know a little bit about what goes on in here. <laughs> and it's way more than I thought when I was willing to give my understanding in the first place. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, man. Be patient with those girls. They are absolutely... Hey, do you see that student land off? Well, huh? <laughs> Did you call ATC this morning? Dude, it's such a pain. Oh, we got that. a pilot coming in. They're on the radio. Did <laughs> you get back to him? What else? <laughs> and everything. Everything. All yeah. the time. Yeah. It's nonstop. It's the two people. It's so funny because so many new jumpers idolize and, and really kiss up to it at some points to some of the staff, the air staff, the jumpers, right? The two people they ignore the most, three people they ignore the most, the pilot, the Packers, and the manifestors. And those are the important quite people. Quite <laughs> frankly, the instructors have the easiest job. Like on a weekend, physically hardest working person, Packer. Period. Oh, yeah. Said and done. If you don't appreciate the pilot's job, the pilot can be in the plane from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. getting out to go pee. Get in your car. Make it less comfortable. Drive for 12 hours. Every so many minutes be hot. Every so many minutes be cold. And do that all day long up and down. What's ground speed? What's ground speed? What's jump run? What's this? What's um, everybody tell them to change a spot? You know, I've I've gosh, I've got 5000 jumps at Spaceland Houston. I've asked for an adjusted spot less than five times and all five times were because I had a student. Um, I'm not going to say I'll take a sketchy spot by myself, but I will say I'm a little bit wiser with my choice of spot with a student because I need them to see. Um, Man, I've, I've. I'm not saying I've taken less than five adjustments and jump run and in a day because I'm good. It's because our pilots are good. I don't set the jump run for the day. I, I love looking to the front of our plane and knowing Rabbit or Jorge or Eric or any of those guys are flying because I look up and I'm like, if, if any one of those guys says, what do you think jump run should be today? I'm like, whatever you make it. <laughs> Dude, I remember the first time Rabbit put that question in front of me and I, I, you know, I was pretty new to the drop zone mm-hmm. and I went, Pfft. I don't know. Like I seriously had no clue at all. He showed me the the uppers. They were opposing winds, and I was dude. If you ask me, we're all landing off for yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, now that it's um, you know, Spaceland is really good about sharing that jump run information because we ask people to to look at it for the for movement groups mm-hmm. and whatever else. But uh, I I would say for a long time I didn't have a good understanding of how it was how it was planned out and how it was thought about. And uh, they do a really good job, and I do I do appreciate even as you know when I'm standing on the ground uh, with a radio, I appreciate when the first group out on the first load of the day comes and says, "Hey, our spot was this. Mm-hmm. Hey, my our spot could have been longer. Hey, our we struggled to make it back. 
and I love when they say, ah, yeah, we had to work a little bit to, to make it back. And then I find the last people out and they said, ah, yeah, we had to work a little bit to make it back. It's like, cool, perfect. Yeah, we need to know those things for sure. It always helps. Yeah, so so I don't. Uh, I hope no one's hearing what you're saying and thinking no. that it's not okay to make suggestions yeah. about yeah, the yeah, spot. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's not okay to come yelling at someone about about the spot because no yeah. one, you know, we're. Yeah. We the, need it's just adjust- a, a forecast, especially on that yeah. first load. We do need adjustments in the middle of the day sometimes. Winds change, conditions change, but commonly, if it's the middle of the day, it's probably good to, especially in the summer, good to go. Once once we get figured out, I want to get back to part of the conversation I've really been interested in about you and David, you've been in the tunnel for a long time. We've got a lot of that tunnel background, but now you've really, uh, I think the tunnel being shut down, I think furloughs really helped you grow your skydiving brand. I hope you don't mind me calling it that. Go ahead. Whatever you want. Uh, you started, uh, you've been coaching for a while. You've been organizing for a while, but it's really exploded lately. When did you start coaching and organizing in skydiving? The Cluiston boogie. Um, it was now three years in a row I've done it. The first year, I just got a random email from Scott Latinus. Tex, I guess, had thrown my name in the hat. I had been in Florida. I had been kind of doing really not low level, but like pretty local, very casual organizing. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll organize at the drop zone when I show up and, and try to, you know, talk to people about what I like to do, <laughs> you know, for the most part. And it was really casual. And then I just got that opportunity. And ever since then, Scott Latinus has, you know, brought me on to more Spaceland events and, I think there's a big difference between events and skills camps, which they're both great, but obviously the teacher in me wants to do more of the skills camp. And like you said, I think Corona just afforded me this opportunity. Like I have this practice of organizing and doing private coaching and stuff like that with skydivers. And I had a couple friends, you know, give me opportunities where, Hey, I want somebody else on this camp with me because we have enough people for it. Um, and through those learning opportunities and exposure opportunities, I think in the last like eight or nine months, like you said, it's just kind of snowballed into, into its own thing, which is, you know, nothing to be, uh, but grateful for. Corona has been super interesting for so many reasons, but my, my favorite reason is that right there. So many people looked at it as a time or an excuse to be lazy or to have excuses or to do whatever. But a guy like you said, here's an opportunity for me to grow something I've wanted to work on for a while. Mm. And man, you've gone, you've gone ham. See, Nick, I've learned mm-hmm. new words. You've gone ham. Uh, and I can say that without cussing. Take that, little kid. Um, <laughs> our, all our pro, $5 a cuss word. Uh, and goes into fun. a jar for a little 10-year-old's tunnel fund. Oh, I, I don't know cool. if you noticed my shirt says no swear September. No swear September. Yeah. It's a thing. Oh. They, they made this shirt for me. Duck and oh dollar goodness, from me. So Wait, what? They ain't get another duck and dollar from duck me. Duck and dollar. Okay, sir. Son of a duck. <laughs> duck is my word for it. it is the like the censor word. So, um, I did use I dude. I've slipped up a couple of times where I will double or triple down with a swear word in a sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to, just to eat it, just enjoy it. No, just on accident. Like and then you're like, that's ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> double down on the table. No. Yeah, it's uh, usually when you know if I drop a thing or I do something stupid and I'm talking that way to myself. That's when it's the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's cost me. I'm so <laughs> glad I don't get fined for inner dialogue because the oh, amount dude, of no cuss way. words in my brain. That girl would own iFly, yeah. like not a tunnel, the whole corporation. If it was internalized, like I'm like <laughs> you are. Uh, I'm I uh, the other day I had my mask on and I was like pointing at my mouth and just cussing a storm up and she's like, "You owe how much money?" I'm like. This I couldn't say any like you said I can't say a cuss word. Now since I couldn't mouth it, and you don't know what I just mouthed, do you? It's an audible tax. Yeah, man, it's so awesome. Um, you 
have now taken this opportunity to grow your own sport, your own brand. When COVID hit, did you realize this was something you're going to try to really explode this year or did it just kind of snowball on you? Uh, at first, I thought the DZs were going to be mm-hmm. down for a while, you know, and then luckily Florida kind of kicked back into it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, I just started trying to piece together work. I wasn't able to work at the tunnel for quite a bit longer than I was. It wasn't able to work at the DZ. Um, and, you know, it was really a way, a means to an end to continue to skydive myself, too, because I definitely couldn't be spending money to, to, to fly. So I was found some opportunity to go teach and get a little bit more structured and had some really good boogies like uh, American Revolution boogie and stuff like that this summer. You organized there as mm-hmm. well? Yeah, which was super kick-ass. It was awesome. I want to... I'm going to bounce all around back and forth of this conversation. All good. Yeah. But one of my favorite things about you and one of the things that caught my eye right away is the first time we've got to meet in person was very recently at mm-hmm. Tropical Space Camp and you were there attending as a participant. Mm-hmm. But yet you're here this weekend organizing your own event. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the organizers being organized. I love seeing the coaches get coaching. If we're not learning, what the duck are we doing, man? Student status is the I best status. I almost did that. That's man. a good catch. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, that that mm-hmm. one was... I don't struggle much, but that one almost that almost drops. <laughs> First of all, can we talk? Do you even know of an event with a better name than Tropical Space Camp? No, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. Do you do you know where this ca- comes from? It's from Chula, right? Well, yes, yes. And so I think uh, Rob Hernandez Mamfi, I think he was the first person that started the hashtag Keep It Tropical. Oh, yeah. And it didn't seem to have anything to do with skydiving, but we all just loved it, and so. It, Lots of us were just hashtagging keep it tropical on any you know any any post anyone would yeah. make, and then uh, Tex started doing angle events, and they were at Spaceland, so he was racking his brain about what they were going to be called, and then I'm pretty certain he came up with Space Camp, and the first one just had like Space Camp stickers that looked like. Uh, something that you would see from like NASA Space Camp, like for some little kids. Yeah, and then as Carlos. Uh, was already buddies with the Fly for Life guys, and then Tech started being invited to coach with those guys, and then those things kind of worked their way together into Tropical Space Camp, nice. which is a... It makes zero that's sense awesome. at all. Awesome. Hey, you coming to Tropical Space Camp? I don't know what that means. But sure. But yeah, that's a great <laughs> name. Yeah, I'll be there. So who, who did you uh, fly with when you were participating in that camp? Um, day one was Luis, which was awesome because I hadn't flown with him, even though you know he's in Florida all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just a ridiculously talented and experienced person. Um, and then he got Monfi, which was really cool. His style was different than what I'd flown with before. Tex, who I've flown with before, but not in a group like that, which was really cool. And then Claudio, and I've flown with Claudio in both one on one environments. Man. And it was a it was dream nice, team. That's it was great. A nice gamut for sure. So, after organizing, do you have like a, a some mental, uh, relaxation when you're now being organized on a jump like that do you feel less pressure do you feel more pressure when i'm being organized yeah a lot i mean i just put a lot of pressure on myself in general <laughs> uh, especially like with stuff i'm interested in learning for sure mm-hmm. and like super fun but challenging and you don't want to be that dude on the skydive you know so when you say you put a lot of pressure on yourself what do you mean by that uh i don't know like Probably. what's your what's your internal chatter like on the ride to altitude on the ride to altitude it's pretty calm just like Remember to breathe on the skydive is my big one. Okay. You know, if I can if I can just focus on that on the skydive and visualize it, then I'm calm once I get there. But if you like 
mess off the whole, you know, ride to altitude. And I'm like, oh, man, I haven't visualized once. You know, mm-hmm. and you got your gear on. Then, then I'll get a little stressed and I'll get a little like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And remind yourself to breathe. And, you know, I get nervous every time for sure. Yeah. What sort of nervous? Um, I you, mean, are you worried about uh, messing up the jump? Are you worried about running into somebody? More like just, I mean, the uncertainty of it. There's always uncertainty when we're getting out of the door, you know. And I just think that's something that I've never gotten over, but it's... It's, it's a good feeling. What do you mean uncertainty? I mean, anything from you could have a total fluke and, you know, make an ass out of yourself or like, you yeah, know, I'm really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you could like I had tension knots in California last week and I know like immediately like I know there's not very good many outs and my line, my sky hook put me into a bunch of line twists. And, you know, you don't expect to be there on a jump, but you never know when it's going to be there. And opening that door, I don't know, my mind always kind of f- tends to fixate on the possibilities. Mm. I can relate to that. I I don't think that I have uh, gear fear as much as I used to. Mm. I think that I, you know, I like pulling high. And when there's that, you know, cruisy angle group and there's that tight group that's taking it down and they're still together and most people are broken off and they're still, dude, I am never in that group. One, because I'm not good enough. And two, because I'm way too afraid yeah. to do that. And man, I, I will pull high at every opportunity. And I've already, you know, I know that I'm not going to fight a malfunction for very long. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I'll usually, like when I'm in, in the plane and I'm visualizing my emergency procedures, I'll usually imagine like, uh, I, I've cut uh, tension knots away more than anything else by mm-hmm. a lot. Like that might be all of my malfunctions. How many? Uh, I think I've got eight. Eight cutaways. Eight cutaways. And I jumped, uh, do you know, a, a chaos? Oh, is, chaos. So I was a yeah. chaos guy for a long 21 time. 21 or 27. Uh, I started on a 21, but most of them were 27 cell. So. Like 27 is better. Yeah, I I uh, I like doing freestyle. I'm mm-hmm. not great at it, but uh, they seem to fly a little more friendly. They cooperate a little bit better. For sure. They required me to be less skilled, and they would yeah, then yeah, the parachute yeah. would still <laughs> do right okay. On. But so the chaos doesn't have a cascaded line set, so there are more lines. Oh really? Yeah, the the A's and B, like all of the lines are continuous. No kidding, I don't know that. And so the, it makes doing the line set very easy mm-hmm. because you don't have to bar tack anything, and so they're all arc setted. Nice. But you um, <laughs> got a lot of tension knots, and so and I, I only have one chop on a Valkyrie, and it was it was also tension knots pre reconstructed lines. Uh, no, this was. Uh, it was actually at a tro- the first uh, Keep It Tropical. Nice. The, the, yeah, Keep It Tropical in 2016, I think. 2016 or 2017, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, just uh, it wasn't spinning violently like how most of my line twists were, but the, the left side of the wing was totally deformed. And I had been thinking about this a lot before this malfunction happened, visualizing countering with the opposite rear riser when I have a tension knot yeah. because you know the last couple tension knots i had had on uh chaoses before this like when i had a, a 68 and a 78 that the rotation was really fast where i remember having the thought consciously of you got to do something before you black out like spinning mm. so hard that it's like i'm gonna lose consciousness if i yeah. don't fix this problem and so thinking about that I said, well what was i doing like it, pulling pulling on your toggles isn't gonna do very much you know you can try and you can try and clear the Claudio actually tried to teach me a trick about how to clear a tension knot by like pulling on your fronts really hard and letting like imagine that your your front yeah. risers are a rubber band and pulling down and snapping them. Yeah, exactly right. Crazy. But I had never visualized just steering the parachute the other way. And so 
that's exactly what I did the last time I had tension knots is I grabbed, grabbed the opposite rear riser, pulled on it, and it was flying straight. Mm. And then it was just like, cool, someone's about to watch me cut away. Like, I know I can't land this for sure. I pulled high because I planned to because, I mean, I just like to pull as high as I can. And... Um, flew and it was claudio again he this is when, where he came to teach me the lesson about about fronts because we were on a group that had gone the other way i was following Monfi on a group that went to the west and claudio's group had come from the east and i'm flying back and i see him and he's flying towards me trying to show me how to do this thing with with <laughs> the front oh, risers and i'm like <laughs> I, i've already committed to not doing that i don't That's care what funny. he's trying to tell me i'm cutting yeah. this parachute I don't away have time to figure I, that out no it wasn't i had just already decided that yeah. i was cutting away my parachute and someone was going to watch that happen and he was the closest one nice. <laughs> and man it wasn't uh it wasn't anywhere near the level of terrifying as it was just feeling like i was on a crazy ride with with crazy tension knots it was just like yep i can't land this i know exactly what i'm gonna do i've got the altitude to hang out for a second wasn't wasn't the least bit terrifying yeah that would have helped me last time i've been able to pick where i wanted to chop over you know mm. do you uh do you practice dealing with the malfunction before you you cutting before you cut it away i have a, a hard deck in my alarm for mm. anything high speed i stopped messing with it at that point mm. and that's 22 with the sky hook ripping it off my back. I've been spun up in line twists enough times. They fly straight, but you know, you never know. I like my sky hook on, but dealing with that's made me reconsider just like you said, you don't fight too long, you know. I, I wanna th- this whole connects to the conversation. I wanna know. You say you keep saying pull high, pull high, pull high. I'm gonna attend your camp this weekend. I'm not because I don't know how to skydive. I'm gonna attend your camp this weekend. How high are you going to what's the pull altitude for your groups? Uh typically we're breaking off five five. And, and pulling belly guys four to three five to give the back guys a little bit more time to clear a little bit, you know, not get hosed on altitude so those guys can pull by three five. I like everybody in pitching by three See, five. See, three five is pretty reasonable. Yeah. And when I mean pull high, like it's like I break off at, at five when my ditter told me to. Yeah. Even though the group's flying tight and it's going well and you could keep going with the race. I'll be honest. I mean, I don't pull at three five if I'm not organizing and I, not necessarily on purpose, but like there's plenty of times that I'd don't pull by three five if I'm hanging out with my buddies on a jump, but it's a specific small set of people, you know. So my next question is, what is your pull preference? What's your altitude? Like I like I like clearing by three five or okay. four. Four is awesome, <laughs> especially with the parachutes that we fly. They're fun to fly. Yeah, you know, no. there's no reason not to be underneath them anyway. I laugh because I I love hearing this answer. I it's for years if your license said you could pull at two five, you, that's the highest you pulled. That's not that's not the rules, yeah. but. Man, we had to delicense. It was 2,000, 2000 feet back then. And if you're pulling 2,000 feet, you're pulling high, you big kitten. Yeah. Um, the Can you say vagina? I don't know, Is but kitten sounds word? way cooler, man. I mean, vagina is definitely not a cuss. That's very anatomical. Yeah. But, is it insulting but is it to like the female <laughs> audience? But if DJ said I was being a vagina? No, we were saying vagina all, all weekend, last weekend. Great. <laughs> Wait a minute. Who's we? What? <laughs> we had a couple of girl jumps. And... Uh, yeah, and we actually have big vagina power, like big dick. Yeah, oh, or big vagina energy. Like, okay, yeah, yeah like like thing. big BVE. dick energy. Yeah, BVE. Dude, that's yeah. a great that's a great <laughs> team yeah. name. Need stickers now. Exactly. I'm I mean, definitely make just shirt just to sure. put this in yeah. some context. Like, I can imagine girls talking to each other, being like, "Oh yeah, he had a big dick. That like it's a good thing." But we're never talking to each other. Me like, dude, she had a huge vagina. It was <laughs> so great. That's right. not a conversation that we opposite, have. Right? So I don't know how you feel about, about big vagina energy. It's about uh, the the presence 
It was like a hallway, bro. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the, the vagina's big enough. It has a presence is just what I learned. <laughs> no, what what like, the duck? Like, like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> not even no, gonna. dude, I like it. I'm into it. Big vagina <laughs> energy. That's scary. It's, oh my God, it it's intimidating. I mean, I wouldn't mess with big vagina energy. What's that oh noise man. we had last week? How <laughs> oh was that? <laughs> was that with you? <laughs> I do feel like we gave a vagina a, a voice. <laughs> Did this happen? Who was that with? That must no, have been Justin. Justin. Because the boys. Of course, it was all the boys. Uh, who was and here with Justin last time? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my goodness. Don't be scared of a vagina. Oh, no. It wasn't her, man. Hey, do you have a painting for me? You didn't bring that painting oh, for me. Oh, I you know exactly where I biscuit. left it. It's on my desk. I know exactly what you're asking me for. Yeah. So, anyways. Uh, oh, Lori. It was Lori who was making like the... Like her... <laughs> It, it was a joke about zip flying or walking whistles. It, w- oh, it was. No. Do you have you met Lori? That's so funny. Possibly is she here at Spaceland? She's here at Spaceland. Yeah. She's uh she won the PD Bullseye Accuracy event. Uh, she's kind of gotten around a lot because of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's some BVE right there. <laughs> right, uh. dude. Because Lori gets around mainly because she's had a lot of time because she's old to get around. She's uh, at least seventy. Yeah, she. At I think least. she's eighty now. She's aged ten years. Um. She is, uh, I hang out with her a lot because she's been working with me and doing canopy stuff. And it's like hanging out with one of the homies. She is a very nice lady. She's actually a very proper lady, but at the same time, she's so she's down to it. say those awful things. Oh my gosh, yeah. The BVE would be flowing from her right now. <laughs> she she would be making some weird noises. Oh, yeah. We got to represent, you know. <laughs> my BVE <laughs> is flowing. Mm. <laughs> so, so weird. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Three, <laughs> oh, I meant to add that sound effect to the board for you guys. Please. Three years ago, uh, write it on the whiteboard. Don't uh, do it. Don't. I will ruin everyone's day with that <laughs> but noise. I I would have the control over Yeah, you, you sit over here. Um, <laughs> three years ago, you did the Clueist and Boogie for the first time. Uh, you've done Clueist in every year since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, until this year, until COVID, how many other events, how many other drop zones, what else have you been doing as an organizer? I, I think it's been a little limited. Yeah. I'd say mostly local stuff at Z Hills. Okay. Um, they've given me the opportunity to basically three plus me, I get a slot. Um, and uh, they've got a lot of hungry angle angle tracking movement yeah. guys uh, a lot of new blood and then a lot of those guys are getting pretty good at their static skills in the sky so we've been able to like put together some pretty cool just local casual stuff where i'm able to be current in my teaching and coaching but not have to put too much pressure on myself to travel and go do all this stuff so it's been pretty nice local accessible opportunity and then the spaceland events i think is really where i kind of got the traction with scott kind of having faith in me and bringing me in for a few more and then just recently, just knowing, understanding and traveling and getting some friends to ask me, hey, come help and really understanding how big of a, I guess, a draw there is for it. You know, so many people are wanting to learn it. And like anything else, you know, there's a certain structure to it, you know, and there's a lot of people learning this stuff pretty unstructured, which is a nightmare for a lot of safety issues and stuff like that it can be. You yeah, know. Absolutely. So since COVID, how many weekends have you actually or how many events have you organized in, whether as the build organizer or just... In the event, probably once every other week on average. So there's quite a few, about six to eight events, I think, over the last four months. So you've basically yeah. doubled your event mm-hmm. uh, organ. Like you, you've twice as much this year as you have in the last three years. Yeah, absolutely for sure. And then you're here this weekend. Mm-hmm. You have Oceanside coming up. 
Yeah, the last week in September, I'm going to a, a drop zone in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. George Grove owns this place. They're bringing in a turban, and he's got like a group of pretty good dudes that just want to hang out for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so another angle kind of skills camp, and then Oceanside in Skydive, Arizona, the f- second and third weekend in October. Yeah. So you, you uh, how did you? get to the point where you started going to these other places? How did you get your name out there? Are they reaching out to you because they've heard of you now? Or are you reaching out to people? How's this working? So in Z Hills, there's uh, Jean Franco. I think a lot of people up north and in the Midwest have probably met him. He travels up there. Yeah. L- about this top. Papowski. Yeah, Papowski. Release the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, did an interview for him for LB Live. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Elsa did that with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He So he, he and I... Uh, kind of put some stuff together in florida and then up north he had some stuff that he was going to have me kind of help with and then pats chris pats out on the west coast had uh had a vision for an event and he you know graciously invited me out kind of after having flown with me in tampa very briefly about a year or two ago and he just decided to like i said give me a chance to come out and coach and i think it's going to be steamrolling into some other stuff which is pretty nice I'm going to go a little bit back and call you a liar now because um, I don't think you're going to be uh, flying first timers for a couple more years. You've, you said that earlier. That was kind of a goal, a, a target. Um, I've gotten to uh, watch you a little bit. I, I'm a huge fan of the sport said and done. I do watch and follow a lot of what's going on. Um, I, I get to know more and more names and, and get to, to follow people. And I've been following you for a little bit now. Um, I say you came out of nowhere. And for me, I've actually now realized I've seen your whole organizing career because I remember you showing up the first clueless one and me going like, I don't know who this dude is. And when I see, I, I love saying, I don't know who this dude is because my immediate thought is, I can't wait to see who he is. Yeah. You know, uh, Tex, we were, I was talking to Tex the other day and he uh, was at an event and somebody at the event, he was the organizer, said, I don't know who you are. Like, it, like, basically pooing on text like i don't know who you are like who who are you who is this person so i can high five them immediately yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like if i'm at an event if i'm doing something and there's somebody there organizing or coaching or doing something in your case i'm like i don't know who this guy is i wonder who he is like i get super curious in that positive like well obviously you're there for a reason I'm going to remain optimistic that it's a reason of skill and personality, <laughs> not that your homies giving hand jobs under tables. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, you know that's how part of this industry works. Not that the two are mutually exclusive, by the but way. Also, <laughs> also a solid job. <laughs> also a solid reason to attend the, the event. I mean, you've got long arms. Scott Latness is pretty low down there. So, and I mean, you know, he's a short feller. Oh, speaking of which, uh, uh, John Franco is coming to town at some point. He's actually going to be here this winter. He's really short, which reminded me, Nick, October 24th is a film festival. Also, it's throw a short person day. So uh, is that a real thing? It, it is I throw a short yes, person. Thank you. I saw that, but I thought that was like last week. No, no, no. It's October twenty fourth, <laughs> and I actually was. I don't know t- if I'm offended, triggered, or interested and aroused. Okay, apparently, I know. <laughs> Hold on, let me check. Because <laughs> apparently, it's five four and under is short. Like that's oh. short. Dang, dude, I just missed it. Yeah, but if you're taller than somebody over five four, you can still throw them. If now I'm, here's the thing. Uh, Hang on. If I'm taller, I I'm taller than you. No matter what your size. Yeah. So, example, Jay Venendal can throw me because he's taller. You than can me. throw any person who's shorter than you. Yeah. Now, let me try to throw you, and chances <laughs> are, I'm going to lose the battle. I mean, what if I um, is the goal for me as the thrown person to cooperate? Yeah. If like, you're is it a scrappy, team effort? Yeah. Like, if you're a scrappy. No, hang on. I just want to know. Like, is the goal? Do I want us to travel farther together? Is it a team a fair thing? Point. Because if I get like, what's in it for me as the throwee? 
I don't know, but I now want to put an inflatable Velcro wallop on the drop zone and have throw people at it. Like, it, I don't care about the midget thing. Like, we should put it. I mean, it's just. Ooh, and a trampoline. Yeah. A trampoline's going to get dangerous. <laughs> that needs a waiver. <laughs> I mean, that, that, the, the whole air parts for that. No, we yeah. already Extra did those waivers. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, no, I, I really, I'm scared of trampolines. I've seen Nick on one. He gets. Talk about a super ball Dangerous on the, stuff, yeah, man. On crack. You're afraid of one the trampoline? One of those trampoline? little ones, though. So, like, you can yeah, bounce see, off that's, of it that's, to get onto that's the That's scarier wall. to me. I oh. want a big old trampoline. Okay. Trampampoline. <laughs> um, so, now now things are exploding. And as I was calling you a liar just because I just think that your career is going to be uh, blossoming faster. You've put a lot of hard work into it. My question comes, you recently came off furlough. You're now back at the tunnel. How do you plan on managing? Because most people who work at the tunnel... Can't get out to do events on weekends. Yeah. What's your plan? Um, well, immediately when I was asked, I gave him all the dates that I can't work, <laughs> you know, and which was super cool because Chris is understanding um, and works really, really well with the team uh, to make all that stuff happen, whether it's me or anybody else on the team. And uh, I think going forward, I'll be a part-timer, and the agreement is to kind of try to keep me to the Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shifts which is super awesome. And then when I am in town, fill in whenever I can. So pretty flexible there. And then as the season goes in Florida, like with it being heavy in the winter, the traveling will be mostly me in my car on Friday, traveling somewhere in Florida to work, which will be really nice. Accessible, won't interrupt it too much, and then I can do both. Find out when Papowski's going to show up. And yeah, I don't know he's I, coming here. He's putting on an event here too. Um, I don't. So we were talking uh, about him going and doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um Skydive El, El Paso Skydive, I think is technically their name. It used to be Skydive El Paso. Uh, the guys there also uh, own the tunnel in El Paso. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? That seems to be the situation. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think you know El Paso's doing dirt cheap tunnel time. Yeah, 400 hours. Uh, John Franco was talking about coming out here in general to do a, a circuit of like, hey, I should come do all the DZs in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, man, if you know Scott Latinus, get in touch with him. I'm sure we can set something up. If you don't, let me set you up with him. Uh, and then when the tunnel camp became an opportunity for him to do in El Paso, he's yeah. like, oh man, there's a huge hit for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the tunnel camp in El Paso, travel to the different DZs. It, it would be a good thing. So, nice. And uh, I'm interested to meet the fella. I, like, I just, I didn't, I interviewed him, but he's on camera. I just saw a so picture of person. him today. No. Oh, right on. And man, that dude, he, like, he, you're going to look tall. You're going to like this guy. He, he is he's, tiny. He's a ball It's going to have me totally out of my element. Yeah, he dude, he is a ball of energy. The, the Papowski, yeah. the enter the uh, the release of Dragon, he was a really fun interview. I uh, I had called him for for one of my jobs because I, I just noticed him posting and doing some things. I just wanted to get to know him as a rep, and I'm like, hey man, just wanted to get to know you. See you out there a lot. Just wanted to make sure we touch base and and, and get to know each other. And immediately, I'm like, who is? Blew my mind. Who is this dude? Sometimes you're like, who the f is this dude? No, who is this dude, man? He's like. He's something else. Yeah. He's, he's, he, I mean, he loves the sport and he loves teaching people and the people that involve themselves with that can definitely feel it. He's, uh, he's got a lot of energy for his students for sure. Do you like t- taking first time or is there, is there anything that you like I about taking it. first timers in the I tunnel? I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Tell me why. I think that it, like skydiving, I think it, if it's presented right or it's the right experience, it totally like goes outside of their expectations in ways that, you know, if you're part of that process it's super cool i feel like that's a perspective thing that i think that most people could enjoy taking first timers a lot more if they decided to look for those those connective moments of of teaching and sharing the the passion of what you're doing 
but I do feel like a lot of uh, tunnel instructors, and I don't even think it's a burnout thing because I feel like it's uh, a thing that I see with some uh, pretty new instructors of that's just like there's this resentment for the first timers that are yeah. that are allowing them to to chase their passion of flying in the wind tunnel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a culture thing too. You know, depending, oh yeah, depending on the tunnel you're at for sure. Yeah, we nip it in the bud pretty good in Tampa. You see that coming up in the new guy, and you yeah. put him in his place. Yeah, we've really hand molded our team, luckily, which That's is awesome for people for that exact reason. You know, because why would you want to be involved in the sport or anything like that if you're not passionate about it and trying to give that same experience to somebody else? It yeah. seems really hit and miss, more miss than anything else with that mindset. So for every ten tunnels there are, it seems like every two tunnels think the way you just said. Yeah. Uh, for quite a while, at Memorial has been one of those tunnels here. Uh, Woodlands has not been far behind, but I have also not been touched with them lately. Um, what makes your tunnel different? Why are you, Why is Tampa that way? What creates that? Uh, I think just the individuals there. We just lucked out and got a bunch of different people from all different experience levels, um, but very, very like-minded people. At least we jive well together. I, I want to kind of question, really, is it because they're all skydivers first? I would argue that that's a huge part of it. Okay. All, all of our instructors are experienced skydivers, and our average, I think we have like, Six trainers and four or five instructors. So Tampa the experience level is super, super high. And the ins- lower level instructors are really experienced skydivers for a while now. So it's a, it's a good blend. It's a really nice blend. It's been absolutely any tunnel that I hear this dynamic from is universally been the answer because they were skydivers first mm. or uh, skydiving uh, first for the majority of them. So those who aren't skydivers first come in with a skydiver mentality. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny. I, I don't say that disrespectfully to tunnel instructors because conversely skydivers come in the tunnel and make complete donkeys of ourselves. Man. <laughs> we are like, I love yeah. watching people oversell themselves. I got a hundred jumps. Watch out. It's great. Oh man. It's, it makes me laugh. So we're going to close down with the last conversation. Um, the conversation or the answer is probably not fair to you. Um, uh, because I think the answer is the same, but I want different answers. Sure. Uh, you're a coach and a student. You organize and you get organized. And I think what most people don't realize is all the greats do that. That's how they became the greats. I'm not going to call you a great because you're going to look at me funny because I did that earlier. Um, But you're on your way and you're you're molding a path to become a great, not necessarily by name, but by skill. Fair statement? Yeah. So all the greats do it. Most people don't realize it. What advice would you give to students at camps and what advice would you give to people coaching or instructing at camps man uh, i think along the lines of being that dude like humility whether you're the student or the follower or the leader or the teacher like having that ability to to know when you don't have the answer or you're not comfortable with the situation and and i guess as tactfully as possible move forward you know don't be that guy at the debriefs that's making excuses for yourself or you know talking yourself up before the jump i mean i guess that works if you're a ninja and you can back it up but um, kind of silent and in the shadows, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess is the best way to, to be for me for, for both of those. Uh, not trying to overstep my bounds, I guess, in either of those. My favorite answer as a coach, when I ask a student, whether it's in an, a ratings course, whether it's coaching, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. I don't hear that answer enough. I don't. Yeah. I, that's one thing I like. One of the reasons I'm friends with Nick is because he's not afraid to say, I don't know. Tell me. I'm not sure. I don't understand. 
I don't know, man. E- even there's times where I've known the answer somebody asked me and I still say, uh, tell me. Because you're probably going to say something that will enlighten me anyways. Mm-hmm. No matter how well I know it, you'll probably make me know it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Dude, there is, man. Yeah. And, and there's so many times I've understood a statement in my life and somebody said it in a different way and I'm like, oh, you just changed the statement. I, wait a minute. I didn't understand that the entire time. I'm an idiot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, humility. If I, if you could tell one other piece of advice, and I'm, that's why I say this question is For unfair. Sure. It's sure. really putting you in a, in a challenging position. What advice would you give to somebody as a student yourself? What what thing could you do to help somebody coming into a camp who's nervous, who's scared, who who is open to learning, who is open to I don't know, who is open to humility? What advice would you give them to get the most out of any camp? For a student coming in, yeah. Um, man, come in without expectations. Not like, I want to work on this specific thing or like, I want to be able to do this specific thing. Show up and trusting the process that you're going to be put in an advantageous position that's going to make you as well-rounded as possible. I think that there's, if you're going to the right camps, these guys are, these guys know what they're doing. And if you go in there kind of framing yourself into this expectation, odds are you're going to get you know, disappointed or that you didn't get to work on that thing and, st- and then that have that mental block to all the opportunity that is there. Because again, that humility of your perspective of where your progression is, is your perspective, you know, give that over to this experience that you're going through. I think that that's the best thing that you can give to or do for yourself in those situations. It's a great answer. Let the coach coach you, right? That's yeah. What Isn't that what you're paying the guy yeah. for? Yeah. I, I feel like uh, as you're talking about this, I, I, I have this uh, similar mentality when I go for a massage. Someone asks ah. me what sort of massage I want. It's like, man, your hands probably find the problems in my body better than, than my mind does. Mm-hmm. So just do your thing. Nice. So I like that thought of, hey, you're, you're the person who's better at this than me. Watch me do what I'm doing. You can probably see where the holes in my game are and fix those holes. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a favorite person that, uh, that you've learned from? Man, it's hard to it's hard to top Mike Silva. Maybe it's because he was like my first influence, uh-huh. and like this being a profession and not and somebody like I'd just known instructors who were burnout, you know, at that point. But Mikey is just the epitome of positive energy and you know positive reinforcement and just success in the student, you know, in, in that in that student process, not just for his students but himself, you know, constantly like knowing that he wasn't as good as he could be if he just kept doing it, you know. Pretty cool stuff. I'd say Mikey. He's the guy. Super nice guy. Yeah, he's awesome. And what a flyer. Yeah, what a flyer. You've also got to be a student in a lot of camps. Not nearly as many as I think you want to be. Um, you, But regularly when you're organizing next to some of these other... Uh, you've organized with some greats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you're being a student watching. Like, oh, absolutely. I don't know what to say. I'm going to listen to this guy. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to go tell my group the same thing, man. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give to a new organizer or a new coach to uh, again they're humble they're open to learning they realize i mean dude when i start coaching it's the beginning of learning when i start teaching something now i'm starting Mm -hmm. to actually say i'm learning it right uh they're open to that idea what other advice would you give that person man i would say ask questions as any questions that come to mind you know and if the person's unwilling to answer them or you know you don't get them they're they're out there somewhere whether it's in attending like the leading workshop um, that Luis and uh, Sharon put on, other opportunities like that. There's so many different ways that you can go about the learning process. So if you have questions, ask questions in the moment, write down questions for later, send those questions off to whoever you can that might give you any kind of information. Because if you 
you know, just say, oh, well, I guess I'll kind of like figure it out. You could figure that out in six months or maybe next season, you know, but the shortcut is, I think, you know, being open and honest and saying, hey, I want this information because there's awesome people in the sport that are willing to give it away for sure. It's, we talk about this all the time. It's an amazing sport because you don't see many sports where athletes give other athletes, competitors give information to other competitors. It, it, it's amazing to see, and I really believe a huge part of our growth of our sport is our willingness to grow as a community mm-hmm. and share together. Yeah, collaboration. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love watching competitors at nationals tell their competition how to engineer something like oh you should do it this way and truly they're not sabotaging each other i don't know if i've ever seen that they're really trying to help yeah. each other and it, what a unique sport man mm-hmm. what, what what a crazy place you remind me of somebody in the point of your career um gosh it's been quite a few years since he's been here but do you know where he reminds me of where he's kind of trying to break out of that tunnel mold and going to organizing I remember when Tex was at this point. I, I figured that's who you'd say, yeah. but uh, yeah. Oh, I get I, when you said it's been a few years since he's been here. I thought you meant it, this was someone we had we had on the show a few years ago. No, no, no. but you mean that's been a few years since Tex was in this position in his uh, career, so to say, in his phase. And uh, one of the things that I've had the most respect for Tex about through it all is is he is he is a bad donkey flyer he crushes <laughs> it man he is dude my fr- I, all my friends know i'm not cussing you know i game a bit i'm <laughs> online on ch- on game chats and you cuss a lot on video games and they're like dude you have the those best 12 year olds like, are ruthless oh dude those 12 year olds man <laughs> i hate their mothers <laughs> i hate their mothers man as i uh, i don't have my death chat on on games but i still would tell like your mother bakes horrible cookies i don't <laughs> like you man like, i just say I, I have friends who get really mean in game and i just say like the weirdest mean things so, like, so anyway um, I have a lot of respect for his flying skills, but that is not whatever impressed me early on. It was the humility and it was the personality that made me go. And really, if you know text long enough, the humility is not something I think everybody saw. I, I think as a matter of fact, I, I heard some arrogance of text through some mutual friends who would actually bag on him a little bit. But I think Tex was open enough to be like, oh, what, what, what am I doing? I'm not Yosemite Sam. I need to, you look like him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been cool to watch him grow as a human being more than as a body pilot, grow a, a, as a person. And back to it, I've been watching you a little bit, and uh, you remind me of him when he was at this stage. So Thanks. good luck, it's man. A huge compliment. Oh, I said, yeah, huge compliment. I meant it definitely as much, and and I and I really do believe that that future is potentially there for you, and the rate you've been working at it, bro. I appreciate it. Keep it up, dude. Keep Can't it stop. up. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't um, stop. Man, these shows always run a little bit uh, quicker than we expect. We've been uh, closing in on two hours here. Right. Um, I have a last. Go for it, girl. I have a last thing. Okay, so I stumbled upon this video where you pack your parachute on your shoulder. Yes. Why is that? Uh, the Z Hills packing mat tends to be a little sandy being in Florida. Okay. And, you know, it's like. Why wipe your four thousand dollar motorcycle off with a dingy rag kind of totally. mentality? You know? yeah. yeah, and you look cool. I mean, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah, you do. Babes notice cool. when you do it. <laughs> you do look pretty cool. Yeah. See, right. it's like case in point. Yeah, you don't have to get on your knees. You know, it's like yeah. Uh, I mean, for the parachute part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. have to get on your knees. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The girl exactly. Hey, it's getting spicy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's say that some of our newer jumpers who are super excited to be uh, at some point in their progression where they want to work on uh, angle flying skills, and they've heard this awesome guy, David Lang, on the podcast who seems humble and children relaxed and <laughs> eager to teach, how do people find And him? has dope hair. I you love have your beautiful hair. hair. Have we not even talked about your hair? I'm, I'm impressed. 
Well, I'm impressed. I didn't catch it at the beginning. You still got to lick it, though. Oh, that's okay. No, not really yeah, happening. And I'm the weird one making the licking comments and not DJ. No, yeah, kidding. not really happening. We did talk about the hair, but I think that was before the recording yeah. thing went on. Before I caught you off guard. But how do people find you? They want coaching. How do they get a hold of you? Oh, man. Um, Facebook Messenger, David Lang. Um, just look at the profile picture. I'm obviously Scott Ever in one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, David Lang underscore underscore for Instagram. You guys can private message me. And I post a bunch of like coaching and event info on that stuff between those two platforms and then text me 402-594-5498 if you guys want god to please someone send him an inappropriate <laughs> photo right now you, know, go, go, you go. might be listening to this podcast three months from now whatever you're doing rewind write that number down send him absurd texts saying you want to lick his hair and he'll have Ooh. no clue what this was like <laughs> What the in the you'll forget this existed, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Carlos Chulo actually, we've given out his number on the show, and months later, he's gotten calls about what we've told people to do. So, good luck with that. Awesome. The best part to it, but really, do do you'll forget? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) hit him up for coaching. If you do follow him on social media, which I actually do, uh, you'll very quickly find out how to keep up with David. Uh, he is very good at posting what events are going on, very good at letting people know that you're available. Um, you post things before and after, and, and you also associate yourself with people who do a good job marketing themselves. Um, it, it's, it's almost a gross word marketing yourself, but you are a product said and done. Yeah, yeah and, and you have to. And I mean, said it, it's there. So what kind of product are you going to be? And I wish I was in town this weekend because the one thing I would like to see is I'd love to see you coaching. Um, I ha- already have great thoughts, great impressions. I've heard from a lot of mutual friends. Uh, I actually had asked Nick about you at some point in our first email exchange. So, oh, yeah, I met that douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that douchebag. You remember the conversation. <laughs> and then I asked Wait, Tex, and Tex was like, dude, don't ever talk to that guy again. Um, <laughs> now, uh, both of those guys were references for me about you and immediately both said very, very good things about you. And I think uh, especially from Tex, it's a huge compliment because he is uh, uh, critical. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I'm Pra-pragmatic, not pragmatic, yeah. technical. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's very. I I love. That's one of my favorite things about text. He's very honest with me when I ask something. He's respectful. If he didn't like you, he wouldn't sit there and trash you. But like, uh, I'm like, okay, I get a text. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm not. I'm not gonna get coaching from. Him. I forget <laughs> how he'd say it. But anything else you want to share with your friends, family, new jumpers watching, listening, paying attention, going to sleep? Man, I don't know. I'm just grateful to be here. It's uh. If you're listening at any point in the process, student or teacher, just keep doing it if you like it, and it'll turn into something that you like. It'll continue to do that for sure. Mr. P. That's it for me. Film Festival, October 24th. I'm still working on yeah. that promo video. It's coming. October 24th. Throw a sharp person day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Nick it's, on a wall. Are you going to put those two together? It's th- it is. That is throw a short person day. That the day of the film festival. Google it, girl. Yeah, hold on. Holy I'm going to call her the Google Golly. it girl from now on. I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just wondering how Gig. many people I'm going to let Gig. throw me before I start <laughs> fighting people. So I'm not going to try because I'm not even like... I'm going to read the rules. As the as the s- small person who's likely to be thrown, what can I do about it? This is kind of ridiculous. I would like to see... It's December uh, 22nd. Oh, yeah. Take that, stupid. Well, I that's, uh, that's what <laughs> I get for the Chinese calendar? Facebook. It's the Japanese calendar. Yeah, I know you're Japanese. <laughs> it's racist and it's funny to me. German. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. That's just National Short Person Day. <laughs> You guys get your the row day. of short. Okay, this is just on Urban Dictionary, so I kind of don't believe it. 
Um, yeah, October twenty fourth. Oh, damn. all right. Well, let's back on. <laughs> Thank you. But <laughs> Thank you. there, how many of there are several events this day? Also, there's an LSD camp going on. There's the Texas shootout going on that same day, and the next level wingsuit camp. Dang, and we lot. have the film festival that night. So, man, you, October twenty fourth. If you don't have any plans, come back to Houston. Nice. The film festival, uh, fourth year now. We have had 80 people in attendance, uh, 70 to 80 every single year. We've had 12 to 13 videos every single year. Uh, this year, I'd love to hit 15 videos and 100 people. Um, for me, the film festival is straight up throwing a party. Nice. I was a young jumper in the late 90s. The Flyboys, don't know if you know the name. Uh, huge. You know the name Flyboys? I know the name Flyboys. The Flyboys, uh, dude, it's, you gotta, they're, they're, they're kind of gone names. Now, a lot of new jumpers don't know who they are, but the absolute, some of our, our forefathers of modern uh, free flying. They always had their film festival. It was huge. It was big. It was the to-do film festival event, and I've always wanted to throw a party like theirs. Um, mine's not as good as theirs, <laughs> but show off your videos. It's pretty fun. Show you, off your skydives. You know uh, Kate Potter, the accountant for Skydive yeah. Spaceland, who isn't an active skydiver anymore. Yeah. I mentioned the film festival, and she said, it was one of my favorite nights. That's Aww. awesome. So it's, it's awesome that That's people awesome. who, uh, who aren't time. like, uh, you know, what, what I think about the cool people in skydiving, people who might like to see see these videos she's not the first person that comes to mind no. so that makes me feel like everybody's welcome and they are i we see all types we see very uncurrent jumpers i see jumpers who haven't skydived in a couple of years show up almost every year somebody like that uh pops in um i hear this one a lot and it proves what you as people do for this event i hear regularly it's my favorite event of the year this event is about showing off edits of other people about showing off skydives of other people. This is about the people, and it's a party for the people said and done. Uh, for those of you who are listening and don't realize this, you, you probably heard it already, LB Altimeters is buying all the beer that night. One of the bosses there said, DJ, take the money and buy the drops on booze. Uh, make sure everybody drinks that night. Is Legitimately, nice. make sure everybody drinks that night. Is Skull. What so skull it is, man. Uh, we will toast a uh, <laughs> yeah party people. Elsa in the yes. house. See, that's why we need a button for it, so I don't have to put it on my phone. Yeah, but it's more fun, really, when you guys do it on your phone. <laughs> it's more uh, of a surprise. Yeah, they're hooking it up. Uh, Miss Elsa, Elsa Josephine, what you got, young lady? Um, let's let's party at the film festival. Let's go. I'm excited. This is uh, every year Nick and I have been there. Uh, our producer is a guy named Justin has been for a while. Sometimes makes it, sometimes can't. Uh, this year he will make it and Elsa's joined the team. So this will be the first year we've had the full party there. Uh, well, not Ben, but who cares about Ben? Ben doesn't count. Ben who? I'm not sure. So uh, by the way, are you available the 24th? You should enter. October 24th. Yeah. You can win a GoPro and Aries 2, a ProTrack 2, Swoop Shorts, a G4, 30% off in a, of a... Uh, uh, Cyprus, um, twenty percent off in Infinity. Uh, there's a few other things coming, Cow. dude. Yeah, yeah, like the stacked wow. up prizes. Yeah, dude. Dang. <laughs> I'll be sure to spread the word, even if I can't make it. Yeah, that please do, awesome. man. Absolutely. I I firmly believe this is kind of a uh, crazy statement, but I firmly believe we probably have the best prize list out for any any film yeah, festival out there. Giveaway, and it's one guy or gal takes all. No, you take I'm like twenty five hundred huh? plus dollars. Worth of prizes home. Um, in the pre previous years, $2,300 is what the prizes have been worth. This year, I think we're going to hit close to three grand in total value. Holy cow. Man, these manufacturers are supporting it and throwing it down. That's awesome. So, mega jackpot. Dude, it, it's dope. It's a good party. You can win cool stuff. The first time somebody with 100 jumps who couldn't jump a camera won. 
she had killer editing skills. Like, just got all her homies to share videos with her that she was on Skydives on. Made a killer video. And, and a lot of it was terrible skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The people but vote. it was well edited. <laughs> it's not up to us to vote. It's the whole audience votes. Nice. You're watching the video, and you see you and your homies on the screen funneling an exit. Are you voting that, for that? Yeah. That <laughs> was. Did I really yeah. think that that was Hudson's strategy for winning this last year? Yes. He had a lot of people, a lot of different people, lots of smiles, Just positive bah, vibe, bah, catchy song. Bah, yeah. Bah, yeah. Bah. Um, but it's cool to see like yourself, right? You're like, oh, that's me. I'm yeah, I'm a real skydiver. Look at me. You see me do it? Yeah. <laughs> I saw me do it. <laughs> it's it. crazy. Remember. Nick and I pre-screen them all. And my favorite thing about pre-screening them all is I know what's coming, even though I don't want to say I have it memorized. So I watch the audience a lot. Yeah. Nice. And I love watching a moment where like a dude or a buddy or gal or whoever is on the screen where they don't expect it and watching the group of friends like, oh, no, 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 like watching them geek out on themselves on the big screen. Like, dude, that is... It's about making people feel good. It's about having people helping people have a good time. So come on out, enjoy it. White girl, play some funky music for me. Sounds Her good. finger's already there. Guys and gals, we Ooh. are going to be gone. Remember the slider on the other thing right there. Uh, guys and gals, we're going to be out of town next week. We're going to be off the show. But we will be back. I don't know the stupid date, but it is the week after, two weeks from today, with Mr. Adam Buckner from Option Studios. He'll be joining us talking about the new Series 3 jersey, maybe some of his uh, staff and talented design team, not Elsa Josephine. Uh, Till then, guys and gals, Grab Lab Radio, Blue Skies, go home. We are out of here. Don't say it. Don't. Well, I, don't even, I, I don't even know Stop. what I'm not supposed to say. Nope. The music's Stop. so quiet. The music's too quiet. It-